0: Hi John. <laughs> Hi, Cable. <laughs> it's been a while.
1: <laughs> oh, so here we go. Special episode. This is a very special episode of the talk show and, and I it's, it's not just one guest. It's three. It's panic co-founders, Cable Sasser and Stephen Frank. No strangers to being guests together on this show. And first time guest, Greg maletic Hello, everybody. Hey John.
0: Hey John. How are you? Thanks. Thanks for having us. Hello?
1: We are here to talk about the most exciting piece of hardware <laughs> and handheld gaming in years. Just today, Apple released an update to the iPod Touch.
0: <laughs>
1: are you guys? Ex- are you guys excited?
0: Finally, uh, sure. <laughs> I'm, I think it's a great platform. To be honest, iPod Touch, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is really nice.
2: So I think that it is exciting.
1: Uh, I, have of course, am kidding. We're here to talk about Playdate, <laughs> but the iPod Touch is new. We could briefly touch on it. It's a, it's, it is such, isn't it such an oddball device? Like it, it obviously must sell in high enough quantities that they don't get rid of it, right? Like they right. don't sell old spin wheel, click wheel iPods anymore, right? At some point people stop buying them and Apple stop making them. They're not, they don't keep making things for nostalgic purposes, but on the other hand, they didn't update it in four years, which is mm-hmm. a long time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, do they make any other iPod product right now? Do they still make the... Nothing else, right? There's no Nano. I there's no think Shuffle. So. I don't they think all so. Do. So yeah. the iPod Touch is the last remaining iPod. Yes. Yeah. And... Then, when the Nano and Shuffle existed, that was even weirder because there was like that clone OS of iOS. And I, <laughs> and I, I, like somebody has to work on this every day, <laughs> and that always seems super strange to me. But I think the iPod Touch is really cool.
2: I don't. It's a great I size. I mean, an iPad Mini is the closest thing to it. Yeah, actually. that's not true, huh? But that, that's too big for some cases. Yeah,
1: and and it's always surprisingly thinner than whatever the state of the art iPhone is.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yes, I remember, and I've, I've told this story before, but at some point, I'm pretty sure it was a WWDC, but it was something at, at, uh, Moscone West. It was an Apple keynote. They let the press in. It was like an hour before they were going to open the doors and let us go into the theater and take our seats. And we're mingling about and they have, you know, coffee and Danish, whatever. Um, so that pegs it in my mind, whenever this anecdote take place, it was sometimes at sometime after Steve jobs passed. And Tim Cook was the CEO. It was probably early because when, when Steve was in charge, the press got nothing. We got we got absolutely nothing. We just sat, and then they they dropped a rope, and then we we'd scramble in. We got no coffee. We got nothing. So it was sometime in the in the Cookier, and we're mingling about, and I saw this guy with the most. It was clearly he was talking, or he was holding it up to his face somehow. Like I don't know if he was doing like a FaceTime or what. But it was clearly, like, not any existing iPhone. It, I was like, what kind of a madman from Apple is using, like, this crazy, <laughs> super thin prototype? This is amazing. <laughs> right. And I got closer, and I realized, oh, it's an iPod Touch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, wow, if that was an iPhone, people would, would crap their pants.
0: Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet, actually. Well,
1: anyway. That it can't...
2: would be. I mean, yeah, I could, it's, a, it's a real market of an iPhone without the cell connection.
0: That's a thing to me. Yeah, for sure. How do you feel about the announcement, John? Are you excited?
1: No, not really. I've never (laughs) bought one. It's like one of the only iOS devices I've never bought. I've never had a purpose for it. And and Mm -hmm. it's like I wrote on Daring Fireball today. Like, I think, I don't know, I'm just pulling this out of my own observation from friends and family and what I see at airports. It seems to me like in the early years, people bought them for their kids. And in recent years kids get hand-me-down iphones and instead you know yep. like uh, i don't really see kids with the ipod touch anymore what i see is kids with a, an old iphone in like an, mm. an OtterBox mm-hmm. case <laughs>
0: <laughs> so i guess the question is who's buying the ipod touch
1: yeah, I don't know. Somebody told me, and again, it's anecdata. It's not, it, I can't prove it. But somebody told me a while ago on DM that a ton of them get sold for like industrial purposes, you know, like Amazon oh. Amazon warehouses. I don't know if Amazon huh. in particular does it, but like scanning things in a warehouse, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hospitals use them for like secure, uh, you know, like nurses can just take one around and then they can get all sorts of stuff on it instead of carrying a full iPad all sorts of industrial purposes like that, which are no fun. So Apple's still, like, on mm-hmm. the product page, still talking about, like, <laughs> AR games and <laughs> music, you know, listening to music. But that it's really just, like, a bunch of, like, doctors and people who work in factories and stuff like that. I think Apple that, still uses them sense. in the stores, right?
0: Uh, yeah, I think that might be true with the, with the thing on the back that allows them to do the card scanning and everything. Yeah, I think yeah. that's right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So they're making it for themselves. I yeah. understand that.
1: Yeah. All right, there we go. Here's iPod Touch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, the only other thing I can think to talk about is Apple. Last week, announced the uh, they, they've got a new third and a half generation MacBook Pro keyboard with these speed bumps. Cable, am I misremembering that you actually like the feel of the new these new keyboards? Is that am I...
0: no? You're totally right. A hundred percent. I love the keyboards. I feel like I can type extremely quickly on them with their like. Super tippy-tappy action. That's the technical term for it. And I uh, I think they're great. And unbelievably, I have never had a problem with them. But it is very clear that one cannot say, well, it works for me, therefore it's fine. Right. Lots of people clearly have had <laughs> incredible problems with this keyboard. How, uh, how do you feel about that? Do you, do you not like the shallow... Action?
1: I So the most time I spent with it was last summer when in July when the, when the then-new MacBook Pros came out. And I got a review unit from Apple, and it was a 15-inch. Uh, and I, I used it exclusively for six weeks. I didn't use my – didn't touch my iMac, didn't touch my – or I mean barely touched my personal MacBook Pro. Only mm-hmm. like if, if there's like some oddball thing that's only on that device, I'd copy it over. But for the most part, I did six weeks nonstop work using it. And within a week, I got used to it. I think it's fine. I think, uh-huh. all, I think all laptop keyboards have uh, certain trade-offs. And once you get used to that shallow throw, it is uh-huh. kind of fun to click. And I can see how you go faster. Yeah. Uh, and again, I didn't have any problems. Although I, I, I did tweet. I tweeted last summer. It was like, I don't know, two 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 and a half weeks into this six-week period. My E key got stuck. <laughs> I wiggled it. It got unstuck and it never got stuck again. Oh, so, man. one time the E key right. got like wedged under the aluminum. I wiggled it, it got unstuck, never a problem again. I used it for another three and a half weeks. Uh, and someone from Apple PR was on vacation at the time because it was like end of July or something. So, like two weeks later, I got like a uh, oh my God. <laughs> Oh, my God, I just got back from vacation. Is that keyboard all right? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, I guess you saw that tweet. But, uh, you know, I wiggled it. It got unstuck. Hasn't been a problem since. And they were like, oh, thank God.
3: <laughs> does it seem weird? I've never had any of the, the stuck key problems or anything. But does it seem weird that it always seems to be the E key? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: that's right.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's clearly, I think there was a Dustin egress problem. Uh, at some point. And I feel Great. like this membrane... John Grisham novel. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin Egress. The Dustin
0: Egress problem. Uh... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
1: Keep going. What's the name of the author of the series of books in Firewatch?
0: Oh, uh, Richard Sturgeon.
1: Richard Sturgeon. Oh, I love of course, those book titles.
0: And his, I should have gone with a Richard Sturgeon reference, but yes. No, Dustin, are...
1: Dustin Egress wouldn't work as one of those titles. But... <laughs>
0: Dustin Egress now sounds like a special agent to me. I mean, yeah, like, Dustin, anyway. Egris. <laughs> Dustin Egris. Dustin Egress. <laughs> uh, yes, clearly I do he think, a problem.
1: I do think they had a Dustin Egress problem that could be fixed with <laughs> spray cans of compressed air, which mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Really yeah. ridiculous for it a, is. a premium product hold it upside down and like that support page is almost comical they're like hold it at a 65 degree angle
3: (laughs) and then zigzag (laughs) yeah (laughs) somehow dust that specifically attacks the e key right (laughs) no
1: but but lately when i see people complaining about it it's clearly uh the most used keys it's e it's the space bar makes sense uh uh it's clearly some kind of durability issue and so i you know i'm optimistic that this quote unquote material change uh you know might 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 do the trick something's i think something wears out or breaks upon mm-hmm. smacking it or whatever
3: well, I have to
0: say that I, I can't help but feel a sense of empathy now because there's nothing <laughs> more potentially terrifying than shipping your thing to hundreds of thousands of people. And then the emails start to trickle in like, hey, what's up with my keyboard? Like, now right. I could only just be like, oh, please don't be my future. What's, what's, up, <laughs> with <don't> my, wanna...
1: <laughs> what's up with my D-pad? I can't go up.
0: <laughs> yes, we're going to convert our office into a repair depot. Right. <laughs> yeah, anyways, so uh, I sympathize with you, apple i hope yep. that you have solved this problem all right that's fair so there. That there we go my good karma
1: yes there we go apple news out of the way forget about okay. it let's talk mm-hmm. about our little yellow friend <laughs> play date yes uh this is amazing when did you guys announce it this is all a blur to me it was sometime last week
0: my god it's a wednesday blur to right? me as well wednesday. so it hasn't even been a week yet all right. yeah. so we're,
1: re- we're recording on tuesday Mm -hmm. the show will probably be out tomorrow wednesday so a week later yeah uh what kind of a week have you had
0: i mean it's just it's hard (laughs) it's i can barely uh it was beyond i think anything that we could have imagined and the struggle with working on this project the entire time has been not knowing if a hundred people are going to care about this or a thousand people will care about it um You know, we're not doing focus testing because we can't, because it would spoil the surprise and we wouldn't even know how to do that even if we wanted to. Uh, You know, we're just flying blind on this project. So to have it be announced, to have it immediately picked up by all of these outlets and seem, I mean, of course there's some skeptics, which I get, like, it's not you know, for everybody. But to know that we seem to be reaching the people for whom it's for has felt extremely good. And the first hint I got of maybe this is going to work out slightly okay was when I first showed the device to Jen, who wrote the Edge feature mm-hmm. about Playdate, which maybe you'll want to mention.
1: Yeah. Well, tell me about that. How? So that was at E3, you guys were in... It says it, there's a bit of, you know, sort of you are there style reporting in her in mm-hmm. story. It says that you guys were in San Francisco and you're like trying to, <laughs> trying, yeah, but, trying to yes. find a place where you could show oh, her this thing. It was
0: incredibly <laughs> awkward, but perfect. It, so it was during GDC. And you have to That's understand right. that right, I've been so reading... E3, GD, GDC. Uh, yes, I've, been, I've been reading Edge Magazine for literally ever. I have the premiere issue of it here in the office with, you know, still in its little plastic baggie because <laughs> I'm a huge nerd. And... um mm-hmm. When I reached out to them, just kind of on a lark before going to GDC, and they naturally assumed that I was would be talking about a new game, maybe like a follow-up to Untitled Goose Game or whatever we're doing next. And so, yes, this comical farce, you know... Jacques Tati movie scene began where we're going from building to building and location to location and I'm trying to figure out where at GDC am I gonna produce this thing from my pocket and not totally ruin it for everybody and we ended up of all places on like a back stairwell of the Metreon which I felt was (laughs) kind of an amazing uh, and yet appropriate place for this weird device that also feels uh, not from the past but also not from the future and you know And uh, she just couldn't believe it, which was great, because, you know, uh, one of the best things about it is being able to do this shirt pocket reveal where you just, you know, pull it out of your shirt pocket. And, uh, yeah, she lost her mind, and within 15 minutes of talking to her, uh, she's like, boy, I think we might even want to put this on the cover. And, of course, you know, I'm trying to, like, hold it in and right. play Mr. Cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> tell, me, like, t- yes.
1: <laughs> tell me a little bit about Edge Magazine. I'm not a gamer. I've been out sure. of video games for the most part for years. So I've heard of it. But it, it, it has a rarefied status it, in, it in does. The gaming. World.
0: I mean, even when there were multiple video game magazines, and today there are not. Like, they're... I mean, in the U.S. newsstands, I think the total may be zero. Uh, the U.K. still somehow can still, you know, uh, sustain a magazine industry, which, I, which I've which i always been told is because distribution is really simple. You just put all the magazines on a train, and the train goes down <laughs> the center of the country, and that's, you know, that's all there is to it. Uh, right. It's has always been sort of the... Rarefied is a good way to put it. They sort of cover... The artistic side of gaming. The uh, they always do in depth interviews with creators. Like it's not just uh, here's the new game coming from Rockstar, and we gave it a nine out of ten or whatever. And so um, I've always looked up to that magazine. And so to have that come full circle. for me, as a reader, I even believe I sent a letter to the editor at one time when I was, like, in college or high school, which is really embarrassing to admit. Um, they totally printed it. <laughs> and for that to come full circle just, was just completely mind-blowing. It's print only, which blows my mind. Yes. Right. I didn't even know that was possible. Right. But they're doing it. And when we were, you know, we're like, so does this article show up online later? Nope.
1: But you can't. So the the asterisk on that is that they are part of Apple News Plus. Correct. And so if you want to read it and you don't want to find a print edition, which might be hard to do in the U.S., you can sign up for Apple News Plus and get Mm -hmm. it there uh, Mm -hmm. and read it in the wonderfully convenient Apple News (laughs) application (laughs) there's nothing like zoom
0: in a pdf on an iphone so (laughs) here's my
1: my little aside on that so you sent me a pdf of the article in advance so i'd read it and i'm reading it again and I, i remembered that there was something about using you guys ran into a problem with going diagonal on an up, Mm -hmm, down, left, mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm, mm D-pad. And so I wanted to find that. And it's a long story. It is a, it's it's like 30 pages. I mean, a lot of it is photos. There's two (laughs) page spreads of wonderful, wonderful. I mean, that's one thing about this magazine. It is gorgeous. It is gorgeous photography. It is an incredibly well-written story by Jen Simpkins. It's not just like, oh, hey, you guys are getting this unbelievable promotional value in arguably the most uh, revered game magazine in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. Right now, it's it's just a good article. It, it's like it's a really well written article. Uh, I
0: can't wait to read it. <laughs> I'm really excited to look at. You it You still haven't read it. I still haven't read. I'm trying to wait until I can get the paper in my hands. And How it takes can you a not? <laughs> <laughs> it's driving me crazy too. I just. How do you I, I, not
1: have the print version yet? Couldn't somebody <laughs> just FedEx it to you? <laughs> that would have been nice. It's a box
0: of five hundred. Yeah, we ordered. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we, we ordered a few issues.
1: For yeah, the office, couldn't so. you just get one in addition yeah, to that? I, like, should. Why, I, I
0: should. Just fly why over spend there?
1: all the money on one more copy when we've got five hundred coming? <laughs>
0: Anyways, I can't wait to read it. I'm glad to hear that it turned out good.
1: It's a really well-written article, and I, I, I wanted to look up this diagonal thing because I, I think I got it the wrong way. I, I read it the first time as that you guys still didn't have diagonal movement working. Mm. Turns out I misread it. It's, it was just that that was a tricky thing. But anyway, I'm in Apple News app, and I hit Command-F to find diagonal, and it just beeps.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it just beeps. <laughs> Is that because it's in
0: a caption?
1: You, uh, no. no, you can't think, can search. You, you can't, can't
0: find, can't find, find it all. all. Oh, really?
1: Yeah. So you, what you <laughs> yes. can do, and, and I tweeted this, and of course it's tweet, so I didn't really write it carefully. You can search in the sidebar for titles. So if you search for Edge, you will find Edge Magazine and a bunch of other okay. magazines that have Edge. But that's only like a title search. Like if if you want to mm. find the word diagonal in this 30-page story, you've literally got to do it the old-fashioned way with your eyeballs.
3: Oh. <laughs>
0: There was like a two-day period where all the PDF magazines and Apple News just mysteriously disappeared, and the entire list of magazines you could read just shortened dramatically. And for a second, I thought, oh, maybe they just like formally gave up and knew Mm -hmm. that this is not a good experience for reading things, particularly on an iPhone. But then they all came back. So who knows <laughs> what happened there?
1: <laughs> anyway, all right. I got now. I got to carefully not spoil this uh, magazine article. for you, Kevin.
0: <laughs> <laughs> No, no. Feel free. it's okay. You can say anything you want about it. I, I've seen a couple of things. Don't worry. Don't worry about me. Don't all right, worry about
1: me. But when when was GDC? So when did you? When did this magazine cover story first come into into? Oh man! Motion?
0: When did it go to GDC? Was that in March? March have been in March. Yep. 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 Yeah. And so. We had no intention, actually, of announcing this product at all until the end of the year when mm. it would go up for sale. Yeah. But suddenly the opportunity seemed so great that we were like, well, I guess we're doing this now then. And it was time to design and build a web page yeah. and like write all of our copy and like get our messaging figured out. So in a way, that's been really nice because we've answered a lot of questions and we can get a lot of feedback now before we actually go up for sale later. So I think that strategy accidentally turned out to be a really good idea.
1: I I've been I I was thinking it was March because Apple semi frequently has, you know, product announcements in March. And so I've been in San Francisco during GDC mm. like like for like a rando iPad announcement or something like that. Um couple of years you know just tends to coincide it is massive it <laughs> mm-hmm. is it is seriously uh just almost staggeringly big conference and it's yeah. and of course apple always tells the press like 6 days before an event so like i'm like searching for <laughs> hotels and it's like it's like the the hyatt yeah. is like 600 dollars a night and it's like what yes. <laughs> correct yeah <laughs>
0: I mean, just the fact that it absorbs every part of the convention center, not just West. You know, I'm used to WWC being tucked in that one little building, but it is every single corner.
1: Yeah. And, you know, so I sympathize with this part of you trying to find a place to show her this, because the other thing, too, is it's like I've gone out like you know for uh, a drink or something at the end of the day with a friend uh who just lives in san francisco just hey let's meet up let's have a beer and everybody around us is talking about games they're all clearly gdc attendees like you can't take and and i have to say playdate is not an inconspicuous device
0: (laughs) (laughs) no no there's no way to hide that and we didn't do a apple and put it in like a funky weird (laughs) pretend case or whatever yeah
1: um, Although
0: we should have done that. That, that would have been, been kind fun. of amazing. <laughs> I don't know. All right. It's not too late. Yeah. All right.
1: So we've got our first little nugget here. The first little nugget I was going to ask is why announce now? And the answer yes. seems to be because you had this opportunity to be on the cover of Edge. You got it. Right. And so instead of saying, here's this thing, you can order it now, you're saying, here's mm-hmm. this thing, you can order it later in the year.
0: Yeah, uh, please just give us your email <laughs> so that we know who to reach out to when
3: we it. Was it was not an
0: easy decision. We talked
2: about it a lot. Yeah. Because we had always been of the mind that we're not going to tell anybody about this until, like, it's done yeah. because we, we always want to have that confidence to go out to people mm-hmm. and yep. say yep we can definitely do this for you yep now we do have that confidence to be fair but we have a few things to finish off still mm-hmm. so it was it was a big decision yeah
1: well and I, I think everybody in our world is a bit unnerved by the air power thing Yeah, <laughs> like, sure everybody and i've talked to people at apple and, and people who work on totally different things they are like there is like a serious like hey let's not Let's cool it with the pre announcements, like
0: yeah. And that was so weird because that was so unusual for Apple. And it's right. so ironic that the one time they really did such an early announcement, it bit them in the ass. That's yeah. I don't know. That's there's a lesson there somewhere. Yeah.
1: Well, they did it with the iPhone too. That's and that to me is the comparison oh. to Play Date, right? So the mm-hmm. the iPhone mm-hmm. was announced in January two thousand seven at Macworld mm-hmm. Expo, uh, and didn't ship until the very end of June. So about six months. And by all reports, they made – A, they had a lot of software left to write Hmm. Um, because if you remember, the people who got hands on, I was not in that rarefied status at that time, so I didn't even – I didn't. I just got to look at it in the plexiglass, like like a regular schmo. But the people who got the hands on, like half of the apps were just like screenshots. Like you'd open the calculator, and it was just a screen, it was just a screenshot of what That's the calculator amazing. was going to look like. Sure,
0: sure. Um, okay, you're right. So it's kind of similar in a way. It's, well, it's but, a piece and, we and, and then finish. there was
1: other stuff too. Like in May, or or at some point, like April or May. I don't know if it was a press release or if it was just like the opening statement for a quarterly finance thing but they announced apps like Steve Jobs announced hey we've actually you know we're on pace we're gonna, we're still going to ship at the end of June like we said but we've replaced the plastic screen with uh, Gorilla Glass and it's like this is like going on in like May <laughs> and it's like <laughs> it's like holy shit that's like actually, that was the moment where I really it really dawned on me that this Tim Cook fellow must be some sort of genius because how right. is that how is that possible
0: right right right
1: Uh, So, you know, you're in good company there. And I think that there's a similar, uh, you know, uh, that you guys wanted to have a surprise announcement. You made a surprise Mm -hmm. announcement. Maybe if you had waited until it was ready to ship that it might have leaked.
0: That's extremely possible. And I think we're all stunned that it didn't. Given the length of time that it's we're been working It's been a on. long time. And particularly, you know, we've had to involve so many devs in making games for this right. thing. Many of them didn't even work out. Right. Uh, there's nothing keeping those people from leaking it. So I, maybe it's just because, you know, you are looking for the next Apple leak, right? Like, right. that's what everybody wants to know. But this is maybe so out there that it wasn't enticing, you know, right. to anyone for any reason. But... Um, Yes, I think that would have happened. So I think it's really good that it worked out the way that it did.
1: You guys do have like working prototypes though like you like when oh, you yeah. showed it to Jen, you took out a thing mm-hmm. that, that turns yeah. on has games, you can play. Yes.
2: We have hundreds of them, actually. Yeah, that's We true. have a lot. We do have a lot. They are everywhere.
1: All right. Why, why do you have so many of them?
2: Just several rounds of manufacturing, just making sure everything is right, the fit and finish and the the, the PCB, the circuit board. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it just takes a lot of revs to get this thing right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there have been tests of various things. We have some in the office where we tried different colors and... Uh, you know, we're always experimenting with different stuff. Some We maybe redid the design of the D-pad and the buttons a couple of times. We've changed it because it, it was hard to get that working properly. Yeah. So we've changed that a few times. And there's, here's the thing that sucks about hardware. You just don't hit, you know, build and run <laughs> and <laughs> then right. see if your fix has worked. You have to call your factory in Malaysia <laughs> and fire up the line. And uh, wow, that has definitely been uh, challenging for us to wrap our heads around.
1: It is, I, you know, I want to get into it, but, you know, you guys come, everybody knows you guys come from a software background. It mm-hmm. is very different doing a build of software, you know, and when you do a new build of software, like, oh, we fixed a bug or, you know, there's this icon was was two pixels off here. I'll nudge it back over, build and run. Mm-hmm. You just throw the old build in the trash. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just a bunch of ones and zeros that get dereferenced by the file system. Like with hardware, you end up yeah. apparently with <laughs> hundreds of <That's>, these things.
0: <laughs> this is our life. Every drawer. Is packed with prototype devices. And I mean, you know, again, to talk about the difference, like Dave, who really did software before he did the hardware for this project, talks a lot about how wild that is because, you know, then you're also factoring in, like, weird physics into the equation and how, you know, you want to... We all know how frustrating it is in software when you can't reproduce a bug, but at least there's a chance you can reproduce a bug. But with hardware, I mean, you don't know what happened with that solder and that chip and who knows what's going on in that situation until you like take it all apart and you know it's just a whole different level i i have such profound respect for what apple manages to pull off with hardware truly it gives you a deep understanding of the intricacies of that world once you try it yourself and i guess i could have seen it coming <laughs> but we still decided to try it anyways all
1: right let me take a break here and thank our first sponsor and this week it's a new sponsor clear This is the absolute best way to get through airport security. Uh, Clear helps you get through security faster, so you never need to rush through the airport or run to your gate. With Clear, you get through security with the tap of your fingers, so you can get to your gate faster and reduce your pre-flight stress. It saves time by using your eyes and fingerprints. Sounds familiar as identification, rather than checking physical ID cards, because you are the best ID out there. And it's not just at airports. Clear now helps you get through security faster in a bunch of stadiums and arenas around the country. That's getting to be a big pain in the butt, honestly, going to baseball games, uh, going through security. Uh, Find the clear line, zip right through, and they're adding more every day. Signing up is easy. You create your account online before you go to the airport. Now, once you get to the airport, a clear ambassador will help you finish the process, and then you can immediately use Clear. And they have family plans, too. Up to three family members can be added at a discounted rate. And kids under 18 are free when traveling with an adult Clear member. Wow. This is a great deal. Clear is the best way to get through airport security. And it works great with PreCheck, too, if you've got TSA PreCheck. Uh, right now, listeners of the talk show can get their first two months of Clear for free, absolutely free, by going to clearme.com slash talk show and use that code talkshow when you check out. That's C-L-E-A-R-M-E dot com slash talk show. And that code talk show will get you free months, two free months of clear. Nice. All right, take me back to the beginning. When, I know this, I know a little bit of this, but when, when what came first? Like Firewatch came first and then you guys started thinking of this? Like
0: Not, all of this stuff to a degree kind of gestated at, really the same time frame but I I, I went back into my email and I found a very early email that I had written Teenage Engineering which Mm -hmm. is the company that we partnered with, they designed the the look of the device and they did some of the mechanical engineering and they had the crank and we can talk about them in a bit but um, I forget what year that was 2011 oh my god Okay, so
1: the so year was that,
0: 2011.
1: So that's a lot <laughs> was, longer than I thought. That That's eight years.
2: It was not a game at this point. Correct. It was just,
0: let's do a hardware thing. Exactly. Hmm. So the very core idea of we should push ourselves and try to do something with hardware goes that far back. Um, it took us a long time. You know the, that conversation dropped off for a while, and we started doing some other stuff. And then the core idea in that email was we should make a little hardware thing as just like a panic uh, anniversary fifteenth anniversary <laughs> gift. <laughs> we just keep scratching it out on the cases every year passes, and uh, and we were thinking maybe like a cool clock, or maybe the, you know like just really trying to think of an excuse really to try to build something. um That conversation just kept going, and eventually I found the screen, which is this, uh, it's called a Sharp Memory LCD, and it's very unique as a screen in that it has the look and feel of, like, a classic LCD screen that you would remember from the 80s or on a Game Boy, but it doesn't have the little grid lines, it doesn't blur, it's, like, incredibly sharp and crisp and, like, really viewable in light. Um, It's because we had settled on the idea of doing a Game & Watch game. Exactly. So that screen sort of conversely, yeah, we were talking about Game & Watch, we found that screen, and then we thought, well, what if we made a Game & Watch game, but we used a real bitmap screen, and then that led to, well, what if... People think it's a segmented LCD, like a Game & Watch. In other words, you know, Game & Watch is like a calculator screen, right? There's just different pieces of art that can turn on and off. Uh, We thought, what if people think it's that? And then, like, a month later, it, like, magically transforms into another LCD game. Uh, thanks to this cool screen, that would be a cool trick. So then you can see the seeds getting planted of like, oh, what if it changes from one game to another game? Like, it's all this, uh, Greg and Nevin. Oh, such an expensive idea, by the way. Yes. I,
1: I and... had a, a Donkey Kong handheld that nice. I believe would qualify as a game and watch. I, th- that does, term that's is a good new. one, actually. That That is new to me. But So the way that I recall it, and again, my dad, God bless him, I love him to death, He's a great man, but he's, he's a thrower-aware of <laughs> all sorts of stuff I still wish I had. I had a Don Mattingly yeah. rookie card that's worth like $2,000 now. I threw it. threw it right uh. out when I went to college. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, but as I recall, uh, it, it was only the first level of Donkey Kong because it's a game and watch. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the actual board was printed on the plastic. You mm-hmm. know, the actual levels of the building you have to climb up. And then there were sure. just Mario sprites every eighth of an inch <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> all the way up. So it's like you're saying. It's not like little bitmaps. It was actual, you know, Mario sprites and barrel sprites were just on the screen. and then they Those things must have
0: been super interesting to design because oh, yeah. you try to pack so much information right. into the screen, but... They can't overlap and like it's a really interesting design constraint
1: right and how, I, how do you convey the motion of a barrel when it's just <laughs>
0: <Right>. like two <laughs> two positions of a barrel? Yeah. And we
2: thought that'd be fun actually to right. have that constraint right. Right. to make the first concept was the games would have to conform to the game and watch format
0: that's right like So you, you couldn't have break those rules right. yeah mm-hmm. you couldn't draw on the screen you mm-hmm. just turn on these these uh, stencils <laughs> and we started to design a game that was like a transmit game where you were like a truck on the highway delivering like zip files and ping files left and right to like dudes that are waiting like <laughs> fully following all of these constraints we still have this art somewhere and um it was an interesting constraint but then as we kept going and iterating and talking about this, we suddenly realized that actually those Game Watch games aren't super fun. Uh, they get boring really quick. There are like two good ones and they've yeah. already been done. How, do, I mean, do you it, remember that with your Donkey
1: Kong? Yeah, I remember it was no fun at all. It right. was yes, like once, I, once I beat it, I, once I got the timing down well enough to beat it right? once, <laughs> it was like, well, now it goes in the door.
0: Yes. And so that then unlocked, I think, a door that we had been avoiding, which was, well, crap, if we've got this actual pixel screen and we're building an engine and, you know, we're coding these games and all this stuff, maybe they're just real games with the constraint being now that they're black and white and that there's a crank.
1: Well, take me back a little bit here. You said you found this screen, the sharp what's mm-hmm. it called uh
0: t- Me- sharp memory lcd
1: so it, the way i'm hearing this is that it's just sort of like uh i mean you probably did it from portland but it you know maybe or, or did you go to japan i mean how, how do you no. find a screen like this
0: this was just a tremendous amount of googling <laughs> that's really all there was to it i was I think a very smaller version of the screen would have been used on Pebble watches. Hmm. And I think that I might have seen a Pebble watch and thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. That looks a bit like that LCD thing we're trying to emulate. Um, It's just... Really paying attention and Googling and trying to figure all this stuff out. And then it turns out that, like, the rep for the screen or one of the reps for the screen happened to actually be in Portland. So she came by with some demo units and all that, like, all these things sort of connected together. But um, just, yeah, just us sitting in the office with Google.com.
1: And it sounds to me like there's the story that John Rubinstein was uh, talking to Toshiba executives, you know, like, around 2000 or early 2001 and they were like hey i know you guys are using all of these 2.5 inch hard drives in your macbooks we love our relationship we've got this new thing this 1.8 inch hard disk uh and nobody nobody seems to know what to do with it what do you guys Mm -hmm. think and Mm -hmm, mm rubinstein took it back and they sort of built the ipod around the drive cool I think I got most of that from Stephen Levy's great book, I mm-hmm. forget the title on the iPod. But that he had this thing and it was like, Well, we don't need a drive that small in a MacBook, but if we had a drive that small, we could make something a lot smaller. And it sounds mm-hmm. to me like that's what this screen is. Like now you found mm-hmm. this screen, here we can build we can build from here.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. Um and I hope that, you know they they're always coming up with new versions of the screen so we're like you know listening to that and seeing what they do in the future but uh we did learn that this screen is widely used in japan on the coffee machine in every 7-eleven
2: <laughs>
0: <So that's... laughs> <Like>, oh, okay
1: <laughs> can you get it like it, it, it when you order something like this can you get it in the exact dimensions you want Is the the resolution set set like it's all 177 pixels per inch? That's set, but you could get it cut into a square or a 16 by 9 or... No luck. No.
2: If you were way bigger than us, you could probably have a Mm. custom screen built to your specifications, but that doesn't work for our
0: scale. And so, they had other sizes. There's this is larger size of the screen, but ironically, the larger size of the screen has a lower resolution. Mm-hmm. So for us, it was balancing those two things and determining the size of the device and the size of the screen, but being as small as we are, we have a website that lists six part numbers and we choose one, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, but then again, it becomes one of those design constraints that can, sure. you, exactly. you know, that okay, here it is, it's 400 by 240 it's two point seven inches diagonal. And mm-hmm. then now you've got this linchpin at the at the center of the of the design. And you go from there. hmm So how when did you find this screen?
0: Oh boy, Greg. Steve, do you remember? <laughs> That was a long time it, ago. It was a long time ago because we did base our original game machine prototype off of this screen. So probably 13 or 14. 20, yeah, Oh, God, I thought you meant 14. 13 years ago. <laughs> no, no, no. It <laughs> hasn't been long. that long. It just feels like it, <laughs> I was 13 or 14 at <laughs> <right laughs> the time. Um, right. Yeah, it was a really long time ago. And we got the screen and we picked a... Uh, a processor that seemed like it might work and ordered their discovery board. And what that is, is to evaluate processors for your projects. They make these discovery boards, which give you uh, a lot of the breakout connectors and stuff. So you can really easily get up to speed With a processor without having to do a bunch of uh, boards and stuff on your own. And I think I tweeted that very first version. It was that really janky plastic case. It had no crank because we hadn't talked about that yet. The buttons are all like (laughs) crazy angles because it was 3D printed in the office. The board is sticking out of the bottom, so it's all (laughs) held together with a rubber band. And... uh, but it played the game, right? Like we actually kind of so got it. Dave to work. got that working so fast after we got the screen. <laughs> yeah, like that was that
3: was a it problem. Was deceptive,
0: yeah, It was deceptive. He got it working <laughs> in like three months. That's yeah, like, oh, we're done. This Is it? This is, <laughs> this is it. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing. God, if we can get this far in three months, yes, we'll wrap this thing up in six easy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that God. was more than
1: four years. <laughs> Somebody get started on the website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: What are we calling this thing? Yeah. Oh. Anyways, that was was a trick. Don't be fooled by that if you ever do a hardware project. But yes, the screen was in place at the very beginning. And and the processor, actually. We did end up bumping to a more recent version of the processor that uh, has more speed and was theoretically pin compatible. So we could just drop it in, although it has its own quirks. Um, But the basics of that original prototype are still kind of there in the device, which oh, is
1: pretty wild. What is it? It's like an ARM processor, right? I mean, you guys aren't really talking tech specs. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, yes. What? ST Micro? Okay. Uh, I don't remember the exact number. Yeah. Yeah, it's an ARM. It's an F7? F7 oh, no, sounds F7. right. Yeah. Where's Dave? Yeah. Let's go get Dave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's it's ARM-based.
1: Um. And again, you know, let me, I sh- probably should have said this before we started recording. Let me, <laughs> let me just pre- preface the remainder of the show with this, that if I ask you guys a question that you don't want to answer, you can just laugh and say, you know what, we don't want to talk about that yet. Oh. So like if, you know, there's, you know, I, there's all sorts of, you know, I'm, I know you got games that you want to keep under wraps. So just, yes. I'm not going to ask stuff like that. But if, okay, and, okay. if something yeah, is well, a state secret, if you want to be like Apple and not tell me how much money. I was it, just going to
0: oh. say, I got to learn the Schiller <laughs> brush off. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, everything
2: like, has been fine so far. Yeah, yeah. No, you're doing fine.
1: Um, yeah, but w- with the screen though, is there any sort of fear like, okay, it's 2013 or 2014, you find this screen, mm. it's mm. from obviously Sharp is a well known company. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everything looks good. This looks like something we could build uh, a little handheld thing around. Is there any fear that Sharp is going to stop making the screen? I mean, you're still four or five years out, or did you like stockpile them in advance?
0: There, there is a fear of that. I mean, we, we try to have <laughs> yes. feelers out to make sure that they're going to make this, and it seems like they're going to make it for a while. Well, the companies are also really good about this, in that there's a very strict process for end-of-lifing screens, right? Where they give you, like, years' notice, right? They don't just yes. like, hey, guess what? Next week, your screen's done. you got to make <laughs> a new coffee machine for Seven Eleven. 11 There's definitely some... Uh, super advanced notice and so but of course we're nervous about that at all time like the clock is ticking we don't want to like announce and then the next week they're like it's end of life so uh please cross your fingers for us hopefully we have a like t- like sliver of clout at this point we can say but it's on the cover of a magazine <laughs> you, can't, you can't cancel
1: it and we're, but, we're, uh, we're singing sharps praises every chance we get
0: Right, right. we're trying we're really trying uh yeah but yes that is a fear. That's a total fear. With any of the components, actually. It is. I mean, this happened to Teenage Engineering. Oh, that's true. With the OP1, they just
2: had to change their screen because their OLED got end-of-life. Did they use a bigger screen? Do you know? It's a little bigger, although I think they might be masking it. I think it's the same visible
0: size. That's so funny, but inside the case, it's larger. Amazing. Yeah. Hopefully that wasn't a secret. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure sure they're fine.
1: (laughs) Well, tell me a little bit about Teenage Engineering.
0: Okay. So... God, where do I begin? I know them as a musical instruments company. They make an incredible synthesizer called the OP-1. And the best way I can describe my feeling about this company is that they give me the same kind of these guys care about everything that Apple always has. And I can think of very few companies (laughs) that can generate that response in my brain. Uh, You know, like the the case itself is just immaculately designed they have this cool oled screen but they're limiting themselves to four colors it almost <laughs> looks like an old vector screen uh the, those are the exact same colors they will use on all of the knobs and packaging and like every single detail is well considered you know there's like a hidden game helicopter game that you can play your synthesizer um something about this company, just like these guys are operating at a level beyond, um, they're not known for being super affordable. Their products are thought of as quite expensive. Um, I've always felt that it was worth it, but you know, it depends. And, uh, they also are really good at doing experiments, like uh, they have a partnership with IKEA, uh, of all people right now, where they're designing some lights and a speaker and uh, really interesting things for them. They designed a, a disposable digital camera for IKEA that was literally a piece of cardboard with a battery and uh, a viewfinder and a, like a little flip-out USB stick. It was like a $10 digital camera. Just really unique products. All across the board. And so uh, when we started this thought process early on, and again, before we had even settled on video game, I was really hoping that in some way uh, they would be involved. And so I just sent them a classic cold email, hey, how are you, Uh, we are thinking about doing this thing, and... They were immediately enthusiastic about helping us in whatever. Uh, they said that they loved using Transmit, <laughs> which was great. <laughs> we got in the door with Transmit. And, um, yeah, it just has become this really great partnership. And um, they're just ridiculously talented.
1: It seems like part of what, and I think part of what some people who, who when they first saw Playdate were like, really? That's it? You know, like some of this Mm -hmm. maybe skepticism. Yeah, sure. Uh, Some of it may come from somebody who just never doesn't have any nostalgic feeling for old handheld games. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's all reasonable. Um, But I think the thing that's confusing to some people is that this is not something designed to make a few billion dollars. Right and correct, and it sounds to me like you guys are copacetic with the teenage engineering crew in the same way that they're not setting mm-hmm. out to to make a couple billion dollars and no. become the the next Facebook or Snapchat or, or something of that size. That they're willing to just be craftspeople who make yeah. you know good money that supports a company in a healthy way, but isn't really there to change the world.
0: That's exactly it. We've never had grand delusions about this thing. It's not going to change the world. It might improve your day at <laughs> <the> best. <laughs> but it's, I think both of our companies are driven by this feeling of just wanting to make a thing and bring it into the world. And, you know, you hope, it's the same with our software, really. You hope that it will resonate with people, but there's always a chance that it might not. But then you just move on to the next thing, and um i't I, I always love that attitude
1: yeah most of my friends, the people who you know uh, the mutual friends, people you know, but mm-hmm. the one thing that that we all share is an appreciation for good tools, and mm-hmm. you know if you're going to be sitting there working all day and you've got an FTP client open all the time, why not have it look nice mm-hmm. right i know I know the engineering mindset like you know, the, all those tools are built <laughs> built into the command line. You know, you, <laughs> right? You, you could do it all from there. Uh, but why not have it look nice? In the same way that you know, if you're going to have a pen or a pencil, why not get a nice pencil and have it yeah. feel good and leave a nice mark on the paper? Yep, uh, and sure most people don't look at it that way i mean that's the world we live in where most people go in to the store and find whichever pencil is the cheapest <laughs> and then well, there's little sally's 12 pack of pencils for the school year uh, and that's
0: totally fine and there's there's people that can get by completely fine with free filezilla or whatever right. and there's people that can uh you know go buy a used uh nintendo 2ds for the same price as our thing like and that's totally okay.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, there's one you know, other thing that I find interesting is that it's part of what makes that, it, it, this whole Asian manufacturing, mm. world, especially China, let's just emphasize because they're so big, is what's mm-hmm. driving the prices of some things, just common things, seriously, like pencils or, or you know, notepad are, are cheaper than they ever could have been. Like, and it in some ways, it doesn't make any sense to me that it's cheaper to make 10 billion pencils in China and then ship them over the Pacific (laughs) and then somehow move them from the West coast to the East coast to get them into a target here in Philadelphia. (laughs) It doesn't really make sense to me, but I guess at at a certain point scale wins and, Mm -hmm. but that same Asian supply chain that's revolutionizing the price of everything, you know, of cars, you know, you can get a a cheap car for unbelievable price, uh, Mm -hmm. um, is also what's enabled you guys to do hardware. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you got, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think you could do this all in the United States.
2: I don't think so. We looked into it. We thought about it. There's yeah. a lot of reasons to do that. It would yeah. be local and we could say that, but it was not going to work out financially. Right. Yeah, that's that's what, and true. that is
1: what I meant by can't. It's, it's yes. Is, yes. yes. Right. right. It, it play date doesn't cost $149 if it's entirely assembled in Portland, Oregon. That's correct. That's
0: extremely correct, which right. is unfortunate. Right. Yeah.
1: Right, I say this with no joy, but it's just the right. way the world is, but in some ways the same the same economic fundamental change that has so much cheap stuff, cheap mass market stuff being made in Asia also enables um uh, boutique I, I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, niche products to be made. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a um a great. I'm, I'm. I won't get sidetracked too long, but I have a couple of uh, automatic watches, uh, and some of my very favorites are from this small company called Halios. H A L I O S um, is a guy named Jason Lynn. is a one man company hmm. uh, up in uh, uh, Vancouver, hmm. uh, and he assembles the watches himself and designs them himself. But like the actual. Steel cases, he gets made some most of the time. I think he has somebody in Canada he works with sometimes, but when he does a run, they're made in China. Uh hmm. he has to go over there sometimes. Um, but it enables, you know, part of it, you know, it's not just electronic gadgets. Like he's a, here's a guy making old fashioned automatic wristwatches, but part of it is that part of what makes it possible, and that he could sell them for seven hundred, eight hundred dollars, which is to me extraordinary. Yeah. Um is that he can get these steel cases made to his exact specifications in China.
0: And correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not a big watch person, but Shinola watches as well, even though they say that they're, you know, from Detroit and made in mm-hmm. the U.S., also depend heavily on parts from China, I yeah. think, as well. Yeah, they're and... assembled
1: in Detroit. But Got I, it. I...
0: So, yeah, I think you're right, that there is uh, that stuff enables things that wouldn't be possible for us while at the same time it being really unfortunate that we can't pull it off here. Uh, It would be nice if that changed. But, I mean, I think a lot about Apple building the Mac Pro at Foxconn in the U.S. Um, And what a wild situation that was for a variety of reasons. Um, Gosh, John, did I ever tell you this story? (laughs) I'm not going to ramble. Did I ever tell you the story about the watch I backed on Kickstarter that was also going to be assembled in the U.S.? Uh, Life electronics. No, I'll, I'll keep it really short. Cause no. <laughs> you just, I know you're going to love one part of the story. Right, hold on so a, a second. I, let me,
1: let me do another, Greg, me. forgive
0: Good. me, forgive me for telling the story again. Okay. Go ahead, John.
1: We know, we know, cause that way we know where we'll pick it up. We'll pick it up Good. with your story. I want to tell you about our next sponsor. It's a company. It's a great product called express VPN, express VPN. This is a VPN service. A VPN is what you have a VPN on your device, like an iPhone, an iPad, something like that. You can go on public Wi-Fi and your connection everywhere you go is completely secure because you're going over the VPN. It's a virtual private network. It's a great way to further enhance your personal security, and it lets you use public Wi-Fi safely and securely for anything you do, because everything you do is over the SSH tunnel. Really important stuff. ExpressVPN both secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. Uh, it's really easy to install. You don't have to be a system administrator or something like that. Turning it on literally takes one click. That's all you have to do. And when you use it, you can safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having your personal information stolen. And it's less than 7 bucks a month for you to start using it. It's the number one rated VPN service by TechRadar, and it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't like it, you have a whole month, cancel it, get all your money back. So protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three free months at expressvpn.com, expressvpn.com slash TTS for the talk show. That's expressvpn.com slash TTS, and you get three months free with a one-year package. Go there and learn more. All right. Let's hear a story about the Watch You Back kickstarter.
0: (laughs) This is my manufacturing is hard slash things can be more challenging. So I, back, I backed this watch on Kickstarter that was pre-Apple Watch. It was going to be this extremely thin watch that curved around your wrist. It was like the CST-01 or something like that. And it is, like many Kickstarters, uh, they had bitten off way more than they could chew. Uh, it quickly became clear in the updates that things were going not great. They chose, I think, Flex, Flextronics to manufacture it in a U.S. facility. And... There's all this drama started to spring up about how uh, they're holding some of their equipment hostage and batteries and all this other stuff. And then eventually there was just the saddest possible update where they said, hey, everybody, uh, we've moved into a van in the Flextronics parking lot and we're just living in this van now, but we're going to try to make this work. And uh, it didn't work. And when they canceled the project, they posted this graph showing timelines of where all their money went. And there's this, it's just seared into my brain because at the end of this graph, there's this line with the label Van Living Begins. (laughs) And and just, and then nothing. And I think about, I thought about that a lot, as you can imagine, throughout the course of this project. Will there be a line on our graph that says Van Living Begins? The sad part about that is the factory even disputed that they were living in a van. They were like, that's not true. We have no proof of them living in the van. And so then they posted additional photos of their van, the inside of the van, the parking lot at the factory. Like, it was just the darkest thing. (laughs) Anyways. Manufacturing uh, is hard, and of ma- course, the watch was a huge <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> Quite the opposite. <laughs> I never saw that money again. But let us all pray that we never have Van Living begins.
1: We we had a. Uh, I mean, I, I I think everybody has spent some money on some kickstarters that did not come to fruition. Uh, we had one. I forget how much Amy spent, but our son has a dairy allergy, very severe dairy allergy. Mm. Um, has had it his whole life. He's doing great, uh, just, you know, has to stay away from all dairy products. Um, okay. And, you know, we've been really lucky. He's a cautious kid anyway, so he just doesn't eat random stuff, even when he was little. He's 15 now, so he's he's on his own. But anyway, a couple years ago, maybe five, six years ago, somebody came out with a Kickstarter project, and, and they seemingly had an academic background. They didn't seem like a, you know, out of like a yahoo but they claimed to be making a device that you could just sort of hold up about an inch away from food and it would tell you everything that was in it <laughs> Uh oh, <laughs> that
0: and sounds it, awesome though is the thing like yes it, i want that
1: and it, you know they had phrase you know spectrumography or what i don't know what the hell their terms were and amy was like what do you think of this and i said i think this is bullshit i i can't believe that this would work But if you want to back them, you know, uh, you know, think of it as like playing uh, a couple hundred dollars of blackjack, you know, you're probably going (laughs) to (laughs) lose if you want to back it because, you know, they need the if it was going to work, they needed the Kickstarter funding to get there. And so we did it. And there were a couple of updates. I don't think they ever moved into a van, but it, they, just sort of, <laughs> they just sort of stopped sending updates. That's and the it, other
0: solution. Yeah. Probably,
1: I, I don't think that they were a fraud. I think that they genuinely, I do think, and if they were, they were really good at the copywriting. I think that they were earnest and that mm. they really thought they were on the cusp of being able to do this and they just needed money to, to, to find out. That's...
0: We we end up talking about this stuff all the time, and and I track these quite obsessively. There was the laser razor that was a razor that was going to use like a laser beam <laughs> to cut your hair. I don't know if you knew this. I don't that like, remember that one. Oh, everybody in the comments is like, "Hi, I am a you know uh, I masters in physics, and what you are making is not possible." <laughs> and, you know, they just kept at it, and uh, they still think they're going to do it. Their last update, they said that they had moved into Silicon Valley. <laughs> which <laughs> I'd <laughs> be laughing for like five minutes uh anyways uh, well, I, mean, I do so- believe you in this situation too i don't think they were fraudsters i think they really thought we have an idea on paper that can maybe work and let's just immediately go to kickstarter <laughs> yeah. how,
1: how sad would it be if you met them and like <laughs> their, their cheeks are all scarred
0: <laughs> please don't look at me i'm hideous i invented the laser razor they, it's all a look, long story.
1: they all look like the bad guys in a bruce willis movie they're all scarred up
0: <laughs> no refunds <laughs> anyways well
2: anyway though, that does, it these does are my names. though
1: while we're talking about kickstarter a lot of Products of the scope and scale of Playdate these days go through Kickstarter or or one of the Kickstarter-like services, Indiegogo. Uh, there's a dozen of them, I'm sure. Uh, I'm going to guess that you guys never really even considered that route.
0: No. Did do you? Did you, Greg? Uh, we talked about it for
2: you know for a little while. We went. We did go back and forth for like a, a week, I think. Just oh, what should sure. we do? But ultimately, I mean, we decided it was not quite the right platform, we wanted to have a, uh, a surprise. Right. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to have this thing kind of pop out fully formed. Yes. With complete confidence <sighs> yes. Yes. it
0: was going to work. Yeah. I didn't want anyone to go on a journey with us, you know? Like, I just wanted it to be here it is. It exists, and it's real. Now, ironically, announcing early, because of the magazine, kind of took us back a little bit from that original we're a little bit, but we're, we're still pretty far. <clears throat> the plus of doing a Kickstarter, which some people pointed out to us, is there's a built-in audience, and, you know, you get notified when your friends follow, well, at least I do, your friends follow something on Kickstarter, like, that would help. But I think we just were... Mostly confident that we could accomplish that on our own, and also, yeah, I, f- I love Kickstarter, and actually the vast majority of the things i 've backed have been successful and been delivered Same like, here i don't have you ever gone to your things I backed page John it's really interesting because they have a check mark for "Yes, hmm. I got this, but you do it yourself like it 's a kind of a self selected process. I wish they had a second column for this thing will never show up, but they didn 't <laughs> seem interested in my idea um, but I, I'm amazed at how many things did ship successfully. So, yep. definitely not knocking Kickstarter, but there yep. is definitely like a feeling of you win now when you back something on Kickstarter, you just have to be prepared for the fact that it might never show up. And I just don't think we wanted to give anyone that feeling.
1: Right. Uh, I'll bet you guys have a copy or two of this. The uh, oh, I forget his name, but there was a book that came out recently that was, I think, Kickstarter, but if not, it was like Indiegogo, The Secret History of Mac Gaming
0: oh yeah definitely
1: yeah and it's it didn't just ship it is a very nice book it is extremely a very good. very nice hardcover book mm-hmm. with the really design
0: is amazing
1: high quality paper high mm-hmm. quality printing uh and that's the sort of thing that as an author you really can't do you, if you don't you know you don't have the money to do that in advance you can't print the book but i had confidence he'd he'd written previous books so it's like i you know I think he can do this, but I'm blown away by how nice it is. It's actually a nicer book than most of the books I get yeah. in a, in a real bookstore.
0: That's definitely true. Um,
1: yeah. So I, I see that with the surprise and you guys are in a position where you have a successful company and you could, right. you could right. back this with the, 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 you know, the back of the profits uh, on the back of the profits of the software you're already writing.
0: Ironically, it kind of reminds me of the question of, do you put your app in the app store or not? Hmm. Because... You know, the argument for the app store, one of the arguments for the app store is that it's a marketing machine and you don't have to set all these things up and all that other stuff. But, of course, for us, having been around for a long time, we we already have a way to take credit cards and we already have an audience and a list that we can email and stuff that makes that decision. But that's like maybe a different
1: podcast for another time. We could really really ruin the rest of this one by going down. Let's not crack that open. But you are – what what what's back in the App Store now? Transmit. Transmit's Transmit. back in the
0: App Store as a subscription.
1: As a subscription. What's the, what's the price?
0: Oh, God, Tw- 29 24. 24. <laughs> dollars Or a a year? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that I'm yeah. on the ball. <laughs> yeah, it's a consummate year. it's a yearly subscription.
1: Consummate uh, business, businessman.
0: <laughs> yeah, did you like that? I got <laughs> my number straight. The uh wh- I have a very small side story about that. I'll keep this short. The Earlier in this year, throughout a series of dumb circumstances that I won't get into, we ended up having to redesign the subscription page that pops down in the app to ask you to subscribe. Um, This was not our choice, but we were asked to. And so when we were redesigning it, and I keep meaning to blog about this, so I guess this is an exclusive. (laughs) That's so (laughs) dumb, nobody cares. Uh, When we were redesigning that... In the corner of that sheet, we added a little link that just says, don't like subscriptions? Email us. And I think that was one of the smartest things that we have ever done because we were getting a bunch of negative reviews, of course, from people who don't like subscriptions. But we also can't say anywhere in the app that we sell a full price version from our website. However, we can set up an autoresponder on an email link (laughs) that says hey, uh, sorry you don't like subscriptions, but you can always buy it here. And people click that link like two or three times a day. Fortunately, we get more subscriptions than we do people complaining about subscriptions. But it provided this great funnel and this great outlet for people to not only say, and it's amazing. Like Some people just say, I don't like subscriptions. But some right. people actually go into detail about it. Right. But it's really fascinating <laughs> to uh, – yes, and it's a lot of detail. <laughs> but it, uh, anyways, I'm really happy that we did that. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. That's just – that has nothing to do with Playdate whatsoever. No. I just thought you might find it interesting.
1: Yeah, It reminds me of Netflix when Netflix uh, for years allowed you to sign up in the app and, mm-hmm. and went through the revenue split with Apple and – I don't think Apple still publishes. At least the other day when I looked for it, I can't find the top grossing list anymore. If it if they still have it, it's oh, hidden. Does somewhere. it even
0: exist? That's a great question. I don't I know. know. They definitely de emphasized it, but it's great.
1: But yeah. as as of the moment, it was still there when when Netflix decided they were going to cease taking signups in app. Mm. And Netflix was at the time the top the top grossing app in the App Store. Like Apple makes was making so much money off. Their fifteen percent or whatever the negotiated mm-hmm. share was, Netflix it was number one. Um, but the thing that I find so bizarre about Apple's rules on this is the 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 rule that you're not allowed to tell the user what the hell is what's the situation. Like you right. can't Netflix can't say. Here's what you right. have to do. You have to go to our website. Right. Not only are they, you know, uh, even if they weren't allowed to put a link in that would open the browser, if they could just right. tell you, go to netflix.com right. and yeah. sign up there, then come yeah. back with your new account. But they mm-hmm. had a uh, phone number. So I called the phone number. And and this is this is my dedication to my work. I, you, nice. I think, uh, you guys can imagine how much I enjoy making a phone call. Not much at all. <laughs> but i did it i called i talked to a friendly gentleman at netflix support it was not too long of a wait online uh, hmm. uh, they actually pinpointed it they like they answered the call and it was like you your call will be answered in two minutes 41 seconds and Whoa, like, two minutes wow. i don't know if it was that precise but they were like two yeah. minutes 40 seconds and two minutes 40 seconds later i was on the phone with a guy and i said hey i've got uh, my ipad here i want to sign up for, for netflix and it, it It's asking me for a login. I don't have a login. What do I do? And he says, oh, you go to Netflix.com and you sign up there and then you go back to the app. Like he had it. It He was ready. Right. But who? what other companies, how many companies can have phone support all the time (laughs) so that people can, who are confused, how do I sign up for a thing? Where's the create account? It's such a bizarre situation.
0: It is extremely bizarre.
1: Anyway, congratulations (laughs) on making it back to the app store. It's funny because you guys, it's not a coincidence because Apple has been courting certain Mm. longtime developers it's not a coincidence Mm. that bb edit is back right right around the same time you know there was was a coordinated effort there on the app store's part to sort of make power tools for the mac a little happier which (laughs) is nice anyway we could do a whole show on that
0: (laughs) okay next yeah
1: (laughs) and then i'll have to set up my server to like ip block apple's campus
0: (laughs) I just want Steve to lean into the microphone and start talking at this way, but I notice he's suspiciously hanging back.
1: Well, I'm sure it was fun to get it back in the App Store. It was. It definitely was. was. Uh, God, where were we? We made a handheld
0: gaming system. That's right.
1: Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the actual design of the device itself. Like, at what point did you guys go to Teenage Engineering? So you guys had like prototypes working where you could make a game play on the Sharp ElectroMagic, whatever it's called.
0: <laughs> I'm calling it that. That from is now such a on. better name. It's a much better name. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It, 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 it was sometime after our prototype was up and running that we formally met with Teenage Engineering at. Moogfest in Asheville North Carolina which mm. is a big electronic music festival and uh, that was just convenient because they were going to be in the US and we had never been there and that as a side note for trivia fans, is why the codename for Playdate was Asheville. In fact, I'm still not used to being able to say the word Playdate out loud, which is how Apple employees always feel, right? right? Like, oh, I see you picked up the new Tango. Oh, I mean, (laughs) now I'm that guy.
1: Yeah, um, I've had that too, where I'm in the product briefing, like after the keynote (laughs) and I'm talking to like a high-level executive, not Phil Schiller, but let's just (laughs) say his name rhymes with (laughs) waz.
0: was not was. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, called him, you know, it was like one of the years where there were two sizes of new iPhones, you know, the plus mm-hmm. and the regular, and he called the one like J22, and he was like, mm-hmm. oh, God, forget that. I never said that. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. So we met with them in Asheville, and that was, I think, after that meeting and talking about possibilities and what we want to do, I think a few days after we came back, and correct me if I'm getting this timeline wrong, because uh that's when we got the first renders from Jesper that's right. of his ideas and the very first render not only was there a crank but there was a slider and there was a like there's all sorts of unique input ideas and but just seeing that that idea at all because we never thought beyond a d-pad and ab buttons right. to to be able to say why not put a crank on there would have never have occurred to us so that was like the whole project went to like level four i don't know why i picked four there was just an instant we have
2: to have that yeah, yeah. thing mm-hmm. like it just it mm-hmm. was the exact right level of different weird and maybe actually useful mm-hmm. and so uh yeah, And the, the
1: the phrase that that's uh, in the story from Teenage Engineering is that one of the reasons they wanted to put this analog <laughs> rotating crank was to break people of their touch psychosis. <laughs> touch
0: psychosis. I will never forget him saying those words to <laughs> us. Because iOS gaming was getting huge. Th- to be fair, the Nintendo Switch did not exist yet. So the idea of bringing something with you that was not a touchscreen just us repeatedly tapping a piece of glass was driving him crazy and this is somebody that loves knobs and switches and dials and synthesizers and yeah and i definitely i that was one of my favorite modes of all i want to break people of their touch psychosis <laughs> okay i'm in sounds good <laughs>
1: yeah uh, well the, it, it's fascinating though i mean it's you know it's obviously i, I iOS gaming and iPhone gaming in particular is just huge. You know, Apple calls it the biggest gaming platform in the world. And by some measures, I'm sure it mm-hmm. is uh, a certain mm-hmm. number of titles. And there are some games that are perfect for a touchscreen. Um, mm-hmm. They sure. tend to be games that wouldn't even exist without a touchscreen. Like you couldn't, I can't imagine how you would play Candy Crush with a D-pad. Uh, mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense. you're touching touching. Right. Um, but then there's all sorts of other games that are, in my opinion, no good on a touch screen.
0: <laughs> right. And especially the games that put the little virtual D-pad and buttons <laughs> yes. on the screen, which at that point, yeah.
1: I've never enjoyed one of those at no, all. No. I really no, don't.
0: My finger always slides off eventually, and I can't figure out why my character stopped moving. And, like, it's it's tough.
1: I, I thought Nintendo did a pretty good job with Mario Run uh, yes. as an endless runner. You know, and there's a couple of other of those endless runner type things where you just tap uh, tap and like like your only real controls are tap and long tap Mm -hmm. i thought they did a really good job of that because of course they're nintendo and and they're really good feel. (laughs) yeah Uh,
0: i agree but that's probably one of the best examples
1: but still i I don't know i tired of it quickly me too
0: so yes that's why when we saw the crank i think we're like oh man this is something totally different we've all had like you know analog spinning like you know we grew up playing, you know, tempest and, you know, having the little rotational knob mm-hmm. or whatever. Like that idea is not groundbreaking by any means, but the idea of having it attached to this little portable thing. And it was funny because god right after that, I forgot about this, fairly recently after we came up with the idea for the crank, then Apple introduced the Apple Watch with the digital crown. Uh. And I remember going, God damn it! <laughs> like, they have a little spinner thing on the side of their thing. The irony is, I don't think I've ever used the digital crown on my <laughs> watch since <laughs> I've gotten it. And other than, yeah, I mean, even when I'm activating Siri, I always press the wrong button. I always press yes. the sleep Button and then it asks if I want to do an emergency SOS or power yeah, off. Yeah, I phone. have no memory for which button to use. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, I remember definitely being having two days of sadness that there was a digital crown, but it makes sense. Like that's a. It's a kind of a nice-feeling input method. And so we're using it for games, but of course we're also using it in the OS, and um, not every game uses it, and it flips out from the side, and there's even a little sensor in the cavity where it rests, where we can tell whether it's in there or not. So I'm hoping that some games, like when you flip the crank out, will make a cool sound effect or something. Uh, There's all sorts of possibilities with it. But what it really unlocked for us was exciting these devs. Uh, (laughs) These Amazing game creators that I think just wanted something different, Uh, a break from the routine of making a 3D game for whatever, where it's just like that to the right person, the existence of that crank just opens up this incredible box of ideas. And that was the true power of the crank.
1: Right. So the one title that you've, <laughs> that you've shown the most of yes. is. Yes.
0: Crankin's Time Travel Adventure. Which right. Is, what a name for a game.
1: <laughs> I love it. But it, yeah. it, it reminds me a little bit uh-huh. of Nintendo's strategy with their new platforms, where over the years yes. they tend to have an opening title yeah. that, that exemplifies what they think is special about the platform. The one that mm-hmm. pops into my mind in particular is. Um, the Mario game that shipped with the N64, because all oh, of a yeah, sudden, of all of a sudden, Mario's in 3D instead <laughs> yeah, of 2D, yeah. and it yes. is like, this is amazing. This is so yeah. uh, I cannot believe that this still feels like a Mario game, even though it's in 3D. Uh, mm-hmm. And <laughs> actually, have the word cranking, like that your hero's name is cranking. <laughs> yes, of course. Is. <laughs> It ex- you know it is like here's play date here it is <laughs> and
0: here's cranking
1: <laughs> yes
0: well so the reason we like that game obviously is because it's exclusively the crank and it's something that would be really difficult to do with a regular controller your thumb would get super tired rotating an analog stick or, or over and over forever uh and it's just kind of funny and it has funny sound effects and the plot is totally ludicrous and um, it, it looks really cool. Uh, one weird piece of trivia about that game is that the bulk of the graphics, not all of the graphics, are, uh, pre-rendered frames, so what's funny about that is the artist that did all the graphics actually rendered the graphics in Maya, so this incredibly advanced (laughs) 3D modeling application, and then exported to 1-bit 400 by 240 or whatever, which is my favorite thing in the world. Um, and so, yeah, anyways, it's, it's a good mix of, uh, Gameplay and uniqueness and funniness, and I also am a huge fan of that guy's games, and so it, like it really sort of ticked all the boxes for
1: us. So the 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 inputs you have there's mm-hmm. the D pad up down left right, uh, and A B buttons, and there's a a button that I'm hoping is called the panic button, but I still think is <laughs> unnamed. <laughs> we
0: might need to call it that. In yeah. the,
1: in the top right, there's <laughs> a button which brings up sort of like a system menu where you can yeah, take, it's a, just take, the, take a take a button yeah yeah um and the crank and that's it
0: yeah there there's a sleep wake button on the very top of the device okay. which reminds me a lot of an iPhone or yeah. whatever so um that sleep wake button also has a small little uh RGB LED light in it so that we can do cool uh blinking notifications of new games or whatever um but yes D pad AB button Menu button. Frank,
1: right. I've compl- <laughs> I complained about this to you <laughs> privately, and now I'm going to complain. I'm ready.
0: You're going to talk about the buttons, aren't right. you?
1: Why, why <laughs> call them A, B buttons?
0: Craig, <laughs> it's you a have an long, answer? Steve, I'm going to just leave the room for a second.
2: Long, long, long discussion. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's been almost everything. It's, it was, I mean, there were A, B, and B, A. Right. We're right. B, A, now. Right. Just
0: like Nintendo. Right. right. They were one dot and two dots. One dot and two dots. That's right. Did we ever do shapes or anything? We we tried shapes.
2: Yeah. Um, Also like a (laughs) Roman numeral one, Roman numeral two kind of thing with two lines, one line. Yeah, we had to have to switch the API. That was the most embarrassing oh, part, of it, actually. Like the developers? developers, We kept on switching the API of what the buttons were called. Hey, happy Monday! Guess what? The buttons are different now. Eventually, we added an extraneous left and right API, <laughs> so you can actually just oh, them that way. Is that true? Yes, I did
0: not know that. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's so good! No, so no, now no. we can change them forever. <laughs> that's right. Okay, good.
1: As the button names change, in your APIs change. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, because when it was one and two dot, I remember Sean actually baked graphics into his game where the character would say, whatever, press the and the circle with one dot or whatever. That was awkward, we thought, I think. Like, it's hard to talk about that. Like, <laughs> yeah, press just press two dots to continue. Like, that's weird. But A and B communicate, you know, it's A, it's B. Also, there's some Nintendo nostalgia there because, of course... You know, that's the classic NES controller, A, B, actually B, A, technically, right? B first, A second, which is also the secondary debate. Is it Yeah, like you said, is it A, B, or B, A? That's we chose each, B, A. But yeah, John, it's it was, it's a nightmare.
2: Well at least you considered it.
1: That's all I need to know is that you <laughs> considered
0: it. considered
2: it. All right.
1: My fear uh, was that it was like, well, Nintendo has B, A, so we all have B, A. And then that's well, it.
2: see, the, the button on the right is just kind of easier to push, and it, it's the primary button right. for doing stuff in the UI. That's true, that's true. It just yes. felt weird
0: to have that be.
1: Be. I be. John, do m- you
0: know that on the PlayStation, the okay and cancel buttons are different in the US and in Japan? No. Like, at a system level. And if you localize your title into Japanese, you also <laughs> have to swap out these <laughs> buttons. And the, re- and the reason is, because the X button in X in Japan is, like, means no. Means no. But circle, circle in means Japan yes. means yes. We do check mark, but in Japan they do circle. And so that... <laughs> circle is on the right yeah and then x is the bottom yeah. but in the u.s that's instinctively backwards for what we're used to in controllers anyways we are not the only company
3: <laughs> to face this yeah. challenge we
0: actually had to localize that in, in firewatch right? yeah in firewatch that was i think we actually got dinged in cert or whatever because we hadn't localized those buttons in firewatch and then a japanese person was mad at us <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right. Yes. Uh, so I was looking at my Switch before we started recording the show, and I, I I play it, but I'm I'm a simplistic player, and I tend to play super dumb games. Um, <laughs> I I love that Playdate doesn't have all these buttons, right? So my Switch has. Let me think. If I'm recalling this right, they've got A B, then X Y. I don't know, but uh, why not Z? But then there's the shoulder buttons, which I guess are the Z, and there's four shoulder buttons. Even on the tiny little controller <laughs> that is part of the colorful ones, if you use the yep. little the, – the ones that click into the switch itself. Yep. Yep. So there's uh, up, down, left, right, and then there's A, B, X, Y, four shoulder buttons, <laughs> and then other buttons for like home. You can and,
2: click the analog sticks also. Yeah, oh, and right. then cool. there's analog yeah. sticks. So my theory, totally uh, made up by me, is that they really wanted to conform to kind of what the industry standard is right now. Right. Um, so games would be easier to port. That's mm-hmm. the one thing Nintendo hasn't had in the past. So uh, I that, think they probably have actually more buttons they would
1: like. Yeah, that's exactly my theory, too, is that Nintendo isn't really happy about all those buttons. But they they need the buttons as standards on the controller so that you know cross-platform games don't have to magically make do with fewer buttons than they need. Yes. Uh-huh.
3: Yeah, the PS Vita was was missing some of those. It was missing two shoulder buttons and the ability to click. the thumbsticks. Right. Sticks mm-hmm. and it may you know when you're used to that sort of quote unquote standard control scheme, it made those games a lot harder to play on that system.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm too old and like my like the last system I really played a lot on was the N64, and I forget how many buttons that had, but it had like a trigger button. I think it had like two shoulder buttons, and it had the four X Y A B. Uh, that my brain maxed out at that point. Like when I, when I watch my son play and he's using all these shoulder buttons, it is like I cannot believe that you can't play the piano or something useful instead of being able to use eight fingers at once on a controller. So here's a question for you: When you're using the crank, is it ergonomically can you still access the A B buttons?
2: Yes, yeah. you can. With you, I mean, I'm right-handed. I crank with the, the right hand, and then I use left thumb to hit A and B, and sometimes D-pad. I mean, but it is something that has to be balanced. You can't mm-hmm. just have games that where you're doing them all simultaneously. That does not work. But our developers have been, you know, learning how to balance those and figure out what what combination of controls makes sense at one time.
1: I noticed that the your BA buttons aren't they're set. Horizontal to each other. And most systems, they're diagonal, including, mm-hmm. I think, the classic Nintendo controller, like the NES. So I'm sure. Sh-
0: I think NES was straight, but Game Boy definitely switched to diagonal. Oh, yeah, you yeah. might be right that
1: NES was mm-hmm. straight. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me guess. You guys spent some time on this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they were diagonal. They were diagonal. Yeah. Yeah, for a while for a long time yeah what what was the reason we changed it again like we um, ran out of room or something t- change the- engineering switched it right. um that was their suggestion and it looked nice and mm. uh, we were skeptical i think because it is very different i think in practice it isn't really a problem you can push both buttons simultaneously and they're both easy to reach so it wasn't a big deal and it i admit it did look better that way yeah so uh we went for it
0: yeah
1: and you guys spent uh, – one of the things touched on in the Edge articles is that you guys spent a lot of time on the feel of the buttons.
0: Yeah. And, and yes, one, easily one of the hardest parts of this project, right, was making that feel correct and clicky and responsive. Yeah, and the, the weird thing
2: was like you'd hand somebody two buttons and ask, you know, which one feels <laughs> better to you. Yeah. And they would press one, and it was always – they'd always say it was button A, like mm-hmm. just the first, you know, the first one we gave them. But then after they push it for about 30 seconds – all of a sudden, that one had too much tension and was getting <laughs> yeah, too hard to yeah. press. Yeah. So it was actually the slightly mushier one that was better hmm. uh, in the long term. So, but it was a lot of experimentation.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, and at that point, do you even have games that you can play or are you just like sitting there and pretending like you've got like an inert hardware device and you just. (laughs) We
2: were pretending at that point. I think we just had literally
0: a button maybe or something like I don't know if it was Was even a
2: device. Didn't we have
0: a button that we really liked, but they ended up stress testing it at the factory and it wasn't even close to what it was rated for? The first
2: round of buttons we had, for whatever reason, died after about. Twenty five hundred presses <laughs> wasn't even close not to good. spec, and wasn't even close to what we needed. I'm
0: so glad they
3: tested
2: So that. Yeah, we're we're in the hundreds of thousands, if not dear, in the millions. Dear now, God, but, yeah. Uh, but,
1: uh, <laughs> how do they test that? Uh, I mean, I guess it's like all, a robot.
2: Yeah, they have a machine. They 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 place the device on there, and the thing just sits there and presses it. And <laughs> uh, yeah, they have all sorts of machines that will drop them or send like this huge electric current through them. Just they do everything to them. They tor- totally torture them.
1: I used to love you brought up Ikea before. Do you guys ever, at, at your local Ikea, did you ever have the robot butt?
0: Yes! <laughs> I love that robot butt. It was Just always, sitting there all day long.
1: For the Poang chair. Uh, <laughs> They had, or I, I think they got rid of it. They moved the Philadelphia IKEA a couple of years ago, and I think they got rid of the robot butt. But it was this oh. industrial butt that, that and it, the machine. You could, uh, of course, it was all in metric because it was from, you know, from IKEA. So it was, but you'd set. A simulated weight of the individual in kilograms and then it would just stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. And then there was a counter and I and my wife, it would drive my wife nuts because she's got like an agenda. She wants to buy X, Y, and B. She then she wants to go downstairs and just sort of browse through the, the knickknack level and then get the hell out of IKEA. And in the meantime, I just want to stand there and watch the robot butt and watch the number <laughs> increment. <laughs>
0: We need a robot butt. Like if you put it in your back pocket or whatever, like how does it fare sitting on a
3: bus? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. Uh, So was there a a debate on adding more buttons earlier? Like how quickly did you settle on look? Let's keep it simple. Up, down, left, right, A, B.
2: There was no debate on the standard controls. There was a debate on sort of how many kind of weird gimmick controls we might have Mm -hmm. Um, like there was a touch area that uh, TE kind of wanted to have underneath the BA buttons was going to be a
0: touch sensitive
2: strip yeah but eventually we thought if we put too many it it really would feel like a huge gimmick yeah and also the story is just cleaner if it's just the crank like instead of having the, the, the game
0: console with wacky controls right it's the crank i always imagine myself writing the copy and it's always like oh my god like oh and there's a crank and also a touch strip oh <laughs> and a slider on the side and at that point people just close the tab and move on i think okay. so
1: right at that point it starts to sound like the old sample project from next that it was like <laughs> right I, <laughs> you're I, totally right i think Stephen Trounton smith just posted a screenshot of it but it was just a sample project for for the old project builder and it was just a square window with one of every control <laughs> Just to show you, here's here's how you you know use a pop-up menu and a slider and a checkbox and a radio button and yeah yeah it starts to sound like that exactly um because one of the things about it is it is so clearly instantly the moment you just look at it you know exactly what it is it's a game playing device mm-hmm. right there is no confusion you add enough controls to it and all of a sudden <laughs> maybe it loses that clarity
2: oh. right <laughs> some sort of used in boating or something right yeah, yeah. yeah. Or is it a
1: musical the... device you know right. is, is it
0: <laughs> yes correct so we kept it well relatively simple yeah and i have seen some people on the internet be like this thing doesn't have enough buttons which is kind of a <laughs> hilarious criticism to me but i get it because like modern controllers have a bunch of buttons but yeah. our games are not that complicated so
1: yeah uh... One of the other things, character, a defining characteristic of this device is that the display is black and white, not grayscale. It is black and white, uh, and you know, how, how early did you settle on that? And was that a concern? You know, that in today's world, nobody wants a black and white screen. You yeah, guys that was know, the first I first thing
2: we settled, yeah. First thing, first thing we settled on was the screen, and that was actually that's the one foundational element that's been there the entire yep. time. Yep. So yeah, there have been moments when we questioned, you know, gosh, is this going to be right? But it was always what we were based on and developers have actually been kind of excited about it.
1: Yeah. The other thing that seems contentious, I think for obvious reasons because we on the outside haven't seen it and used it, is the lack of backlighting.
0: Yes. That we've struggled with that nonstop because it doesn't feel <laughs> it it feels risky. But, so we did an experiment. Uh, so, the first thing that needs to be understood is that this display, like a traditional LCD, is somewhat transparent underneath. And that's how it works. The backlight shines through the LCD to give you the image. But this display is basically 0% transparent on the back. Uh, it is opaque. And that allows it to be super reflective and work super good in sunlight. Uh their suggested solution, if you want to try to lighten up the screen, is actually a little front light. And it's like a thin piece of plastic that has... You wouldn't even be able to detect them, but ridges, basically? Is yeah, what's well, on like the left side. Right. Mm-hmm. And the light hits this plastic sheet, and the ridges and the plastic direct the light towards you um, or towards the screen, one of the two Uh, and we tried it and it just did not look good Uh, not only did it not look good lit, but it actually made the screen look worse unlit so it was Mm. kind of the best of worst (laughs) (laughs) the worst of both worlds Um, and so we just decided kind of to own it like that's just going to be a quirk of this system is that you'll need a little bit of light to play the screen. Uh, And uh, that's definitely going to bother people. And I just think we just have to kind of accept it. I don't know.
1: It's like the whole world has consolidated on color displays. And, you know, for obvious reasons. I mean, I always say, like, the biggest regret I have in my computer purchasing life is in 1991 when I went to college Drexel required freshmen to have a Macintosh or at least have access quote unquote. So if you couldn't really afford to buy one, you, you could, you know, but you had to be, you had to say, I, I will go to the library or the computer center and use it. But we had classwork. Like we had teachers who gave out like HyperCard stacks and stuff. It was all, it was this, it was like we were living in, in an Apple commercial really amazing. Um, but I made a terrible mistake. I, uh, there were three options. There was the, uh, I forget the third one, but it was – I didn't want the third one because it was the cheapest. So my choice came down to an SE30 or the LC, and I picked Mm. the LC because it had a color display and and I wanted to play games. Not realizing just how much faster an SE thirty is, <sighs> sure. and how gorgeous it really is. And we had yeah. Macs in my high school, but I didn't like them. I I, I was like an Apple. I like the Apple IIgs. GS, <laughs> so uh-huh. I spent more of my time on the Apple two GS. Like the Mac was a curiosity to me. Uh, always regretted it. Regretted it ever since it was a terrible decision. But I was just. Oh, I, but it was all because of the color display. I was like, I, mm-hmm. I gotta have that color display. Uh so I see it, and that 's the way the world 's gone I mean, even our goofy Apple Watch has a really really good color display, um, even though there 's a lot of trade offs that we all sort of collectively forget, like the fact that your apple watch doesn 't stay on all the time
2: <laughs> like i, mean, I which... a big concern was you know we don 't want the games to look like poor versions of iPhone games, mm. like we want an experience mm. that is distinctly different from that, and the black and white screen is part of that
1: yeah there have to be. Uh, here I'll try to toss one over to Stephen. Uh, there have to there have to be a bunch of developer. like Bill Bill Atkinson level tricks for dithering and uh, all sorts of work that that Atkinson and the original Mac team did in the eighties with their black and white displays to to simulate grays and patterns and stuff like that. Like you guys have got to be using a bunch of cool stuff like that, right?
3: Yeah, I mean. Uh it's it handles dithering really nicely um i have a game that i've been working on with some folks here that uses i think it's 32 or 33 uh levels of, of dithering and it's the, the screen is, is dense enough that you know it, it reads pretty well i mean you can still tell it's it's a dither pattern but it looks you know like there's more going on on the screen than there really is and uh there was a Someone did a prototype of like a software-rendered 3D object rotating that was shaded, and that was pretty convincing that it wasn't just black and white. And in fact, Dave wrote a little uh, one-bit video codec, uh, and he, he had a little clip of uh, Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski, you got to use that as your test. And uh, it look its really—it reads really well considering yeah. there is no color. <laughs> the trick
0: that Dave did, I think, is really reduce the. Redithering on portions of the screen that aren't changing, so you don't get that like constant dancing pixel hmm. distraction. So, yeah, remind me to show that to you sometime. It's pretty cool.
1: Did Did you guys? You guys are way more juiced into video games than I am, so you probably know. But there was a video game that came out like I'm going to say like a year ago, where you're you're like a pirate, and the whole game is
0: Oberdin. Yeah, Oberdin. Yeah, yeah, that's a Return of the Oberdin. Yeah, Lucas Pope's game, and it it um definitely. Yeah, and he was very open about his dev process, and it was really fun to watch him try different dithering approaches and how to make this thing look right. And that thing just looks incredible to me.
1: Yeah, and I think, but that what made me think of it was your thing about not redithering. Because my son was playing it, and I just I was just captivated watching it. But I think that it, it, like you said, like somehow he figured out a way to do it without the dancing pixels. You know, like uh-huh. even as you're like panning, it seems as though what was dithered stays dithered the same way, even though you know all of the pixels are moving because you're you're panning your vision. Exactly, very convincing. I think that the potential. I, I think people might be underestimating the potential for how graphically rich a game on the on the playdate screen could be. I think so, too.
3: <laughs> plus, you know, anyone, anyone who's an artist or creative, you know, loves a good constraint. And, uh-huh. um, you know, it's been said about Twitter a lot of times is you've got to really distill your thoughts to fit into, you know, the character limit. And it's kind of the same thing with getting rid of color and just going to black and white. You know, it's like, how do I make something that reads well in that environment? And it kind of kind of pushes you a little bit. Like, you have to really stop and think about it and maybe put a bit more effort into it than you you would if you could just kind of fall back on color. Mm.
1: Uh, What's the battery story?
3: What is our battery story? We haven't done our final test yet, right?
2: Yeah, it's always in flux because occasionally we'll introduce a bug that just drains the battery in, you know, seven
1: minutes. But is it a battery built in?
2: Oh, yes. Yeah, it's a rechargeable battery built in. And we can't really say exactly how long it's going to be yet. It's going to be plenty long, we think. Um, But we'll... Say
1: more when we know. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't like double A's or something like that. Or no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, the device is so thin.
0: kind of cool. Yeah. The device <laughs> the is lantern so lantern battery.
1: Yeah. I think it's so thin, I don't even know if it could use double a. Probably. I don't even know if yeah, triple A's no would fit. It could
0: not. Yeah. I don't think it would fit.
1: It's a, it looks very thin. I mean, and it's one of those things that thinness often, even in a picture, it's hard to convey. You have to kind of pick it up to really appreciate it. Uh, but is, is that how it feels in hand?
2: Yeah. It's very thin. Yeah. Actually, if you look at the uh, the Firewatch uh, play date, the one we embedded in that game, it's about two to three times as thick as this one because that's what we thought we were going to have to do at the <laughs> that's time. True. That's true. <laughs> um, so that one's like an inch thick.
1: So for the people who don't know this, so Firewatch is a game that you guys uh, co-produced. Is that the maybe the best yeah. way of sure. attributing your contribution with Campo Santo Indie Game mm-hmm. Makers? wonderful wonderful game it's won awards it's very successful all deservedly so it's one of the few games i've played in recent years i loved it my son i think i told you this cable my son played it twice played through that's amazing
3: that's really amazing
1: and you know and i'm really blown away by by that because he's you know he's typically playing uh you know destiny or something like that with, (laughs) with a slightly different vibe than firewatch um but you guys put in one of the i forget where it was was it like in a another one of the watchtowers or
0: yeah, it was in a hideout of yeah. a- it's it's kind of game. a spoiler. Yeah, a spoiler is Somewhere but in the game. There's... He had some stuff, yeah. and one of his things was, what is it called, broken or handheld game? Yeah. Like <laughs> that. And uh, if you flip it over, there's actually, like, a PD logo on the back, too. <laughs> so we, like, went pretty far. But actually, that one was from when the buttons were diagonal. Uh-huh. Yes. And so that's why the buttons are diagonal on that one. That's that's right. you know what, yeah. though?
1: Even if I would have really noticed it, if I would have actually, you know... Even if he would have said uh, Playdate by Panic, I still wouldn't have thought... <laughs> that's true. I would not have thought it was a teaser that you're actually going to make that device. I would just think that's a fun Easter egg. Like, imagine, uh-huh. if, imagine if Panic made... A little handheld video game. Like this.
0: <laughs> Gosh, you're right. We were maybe more worried about. It than we needed yeah, to be.
1: I would have. I could have noticed it. It could have been like a big article on you know Mac stories or something like that. And, they, and I would have. I wouldn't have even asked if it was real. I just would have thought, well, that's easy, you know. It's a lot easier to make a make a play date in in a video game than it is to mm-hmm. make one in the real world.
0: <laughs> Turns
2: out, yeah, yeah, it's, it's quite quite a bit easier. You mentioned the thinness. One of the interesting things about that uh, and the D pad, which we were talking about, it's very hard to make a good D pad with a device if that's, if that's that shallow. Um, I'll bet. And that's been one one of the challenges. Also, I think we've cracked it, but um, that took a few redesigns to get, get it working.
1: Well, and that brings us right back to the opening of the show in the MacBook keyboards that you make these MacBooks <laughs> right. so much thinner, right? I mean, I still go in the Apple store at, at, and when I see the the little uh, 12-inch MacBook, the MacBook One port, the poor begotten you know forgotten to i think they forgot to update it <laughs> but when i see it i'm still blown away by how small it is it's so tiny and and i'm sure it's the same type of thing where really to make like you know like on a sega genesis or something the controller has so much room for the d-pad to have depth you know, right. that just isn't possible on something like this uh-huh. were, you, were you concerned as that maybe you guys were making it too thin
2: that was a, that was a question. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think we're good. I mean, I think it looks great and feels great. But we T and T E was the one pushing for the th- the thinness, mm-hmm. um, and it made things harder to do it that way. But but it worked out great. Um, it feels good and it looks kind of cool.
1: It just I mean I can only judge by how it looks, obviously. But it, it certainly the thinness vastly contributes to the uncanny valley where. This sort of seems a little retro, but it also seems incredibly modern. Like, Mm. because nothing old was that (laughs) thin. Like, Mm -hmm. literally, like I just said, like you had to put like nine volt batteries in there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What about the sound? Everybody, from what I, I was going to say, heard. No pun intended. What I've heard, (laughs) uh, it has surprisingly good sound.
0: I mean, the weird thing about it being modern is that, you know, it's not like a chip can create four channels of sound or whatever. You know, we can play real sound. Uh, We are working on a synthesis engine in addition to being able to just play a wave file or whatever. Uh, And the speaker is small, but, like, way louder than it has any right to be. We actually are not going to run it at full volume because it is too loud.
1: (laughs) It is. That's great. So, uh,
0: of course, there's a headphone jack as well. Um, and we went to great lengths to support the mic in through the headphone jack. So if you have, you know, an Apple headset or whatever, and a game requires microphone, in addition to the microphone that's on the Playdate, that will work as well. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 surprisingly good sound.
1: Where is the headphone jack? Bottom or top?
0: Uh, bottom center, dead yes. center. Yeah. Right. Or is the USB port dead center? USB is on the right, and microphone
2: is on the left. Got it. Okay.
1: Uh, USB, you guys have USB C, not the gross Correct. micro USB.
0: <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. God, I hate that one. Yeah.
1: I, I hate it too. I still, I can't believe how many devices I still have that use it. <sighs>
0: Incredible! It's just the most unfulfilling port to use on anything ever, and it always feels like it's going to break off.
1: Right. Always feels like it's going to break, and my my close eyesight is not as good as it used to be. And so, <laughs> sure. especially like in the dark, it, and it's you know it is the prototypical buttered piece of toast. Of course, it's always uh, the wrong way when I first try it, or it's the right way, and I I can't quite get it in. And there, I think it's the wrong way, and flip it. It's terrible. So I'm glad you yeah, it's guys wrong.
3: It's wrong the first two times. It's wrong right. the first two times. That's true.
1: Uh, so USB-C, when did you guys, like, I forget how long ago USB-C came out, but you guys must have, when you were, you must have had this idea in your heads. And when USB-C came out, you must have been like, oh, thank God, <laughs> we can, we yeah, can a Yeah, for sure. Nice and
0: I, I remember it was actually really hard to get, for a little while, USB-C parts, because I think... Apple had locked down the market because they were going to add USB-C to something. I wonder what it was. What was their first device with USB-C? Huh? Maybe a, a laptop. Probably. Yeah.
1: Probably a laptop. I yeah. think it was, I think it was the, the, the 12-inch MacBook.
0: Got it. I think so. And so we just we decided to use USB-C definitely immediately, and for a long time we couldn't even get. Uh, I remember going to Alibaba.com hoping to find some <laughs> USB-C parts, uh, and so yeah, I'm so glad that appeared when it did.
1: And you guys have a – it's going to ship with a matching yellow USB-C cable?
0: Yes. Correct. It will.
1: You Um, got it. What's on the other end of the cable? Is it just a a A – USB-A. USB-A. But you're not shipping a charger.
2: We are not.
0: Not We're not planning on shipping one. We kind of figured everybody had one, but um, we may – or or 50. I have a few. Yeah. (laughs) So – uh, yes, it's not going to be included with the system itself.
1: I think that's reasonable, but I think it's, you know, it, it's interesting. It's interesting to me how many things do come with a charger. Like there's a certain yeah. gadgets I buy and I'm like, why give, Why did you give me a charger with this? Right. <laughs> I have so many of these. Um, <laughs> all right. What else do I have? I wanted to talk about the software. Um hmm and I don't know why I'm hung up on this. I don't know why I'm hung up on the fact that you guys wrote your own OS. Uh, <laughs> but Should I bring Dave in here? Should Dave talk about,
0: do you want to ask him direct questions about this mythical OS?
1: I, I, just It just blows me away because I, and I guess you didn't write the whole thing, right? Like you didn't write your own Bluetooth and Wi-Fi stacks, right?
3: Right. Right. So,
1: so how do you make a custom OS, but use an existing open source, like Wi-Fi stack? i mean is there is it like a posix operating system is there like a can you get like no. a terminal no
3: um i mean even calling it an os feels like right. a bit that's of an overstatement. that's true it, it, it has an os in the way that an apple II has an os you know what i mean right. like it it has there's enough code in the firmware to service the hardware on the device you know read the inputs and the and display stuff on screen, and then beyond that, it's primarily just hosting uh, a Lua runtime, um, which is, uh, Lua is a scripting language that uh, some people are writing their games in, some people are going straight to C, uh, but Lua is a, a friendlier alternative. And so that Lua runtime sort of exposes a set of APIs for you know drawing stuff, playing sounds, uh, reading the inputs, and so the the quote unquote quote unquote OS is basically just the the glue between the physical hardware and that runtime. Not to you know not to understate what what Dave has done. It's it's quite an, a quite an achievement for especially for a single person. Um, but yeah, it's not like we had to write a whole window manager and, and you know <laughs> right. consider the, the types of you know what kind of word processor is going to need to run on this. You and know?
1: it's so in other words, you're not going to teach like a computer science. Two hundred one course on operating system design using this OS.
3: <laughs> Probably not. But it's it's
1: practical. It's it's all p- very practical. It is all uh, just the what do we need uh, running on yeah, this it, processor to get it just to make this thing work.
3: Yeah, it has it, to be less than a megabyte. Actually, that's true. Yeah, the flash on the on the chip is only has only about that much space. Yeah, but yeah, it, it does just enough to play That's that's,
1: that's <laughs> impressive. That's floppy disk sized. I mean, that's... <laughs> right? I mean, megabytes... I mean, code,
3: is, code is small. You take all of the, you know... Image
1: and
0: resource stuff out and, and code is very small i feel like code of the app is 99 percent
3: icons right and <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I had an app that was i think 75k the actual binary and because it had like all of the different icon sizes up to retina it came out to be something like three megabytes
1: <laughs> uh did you guys see the captain marvel website that marvel did before the movie came out and and because Uh-oh. the the movie takes place in like 1995 or something like that, and so they did the oh, website. Yeah.
0: Yes, they, extremely good.
1: They did this really really good GeoCities style 1995 website, but like people poked it apart, and it was like hundreds and hundreds of megabytes. <laughs>
2: because <laughs> it's like
1: it's like on the back end, it's all running on like node node. JS and, beautiful. A, and rendering all this stuff. And it's like, no, part of uh, the challenge was making right. this so that it would work over a 14.4 yep. modem connection.
0: And I feel like that website was definitely inspired by the Space Jam website, which mm-hmm. I don't know if you know, it's still running today. Uh, you can, I don't know what, whose closet that computer <laughs> still is that is still running the Space Jam website, but it's my favorite thing on the internet. <laughs>
1: All right, I'm going to put it in the show notes.
0: Okay. Space,
1: Space Jam website. All right. Yeah, I remember you'll find it. Space Jam.
0: Yeah, um, you're going to enjoy that website. I
1: promise you. But that's the challenge though. Like the part of the, you know, it wasn't just making a website that looked so t- cheesy. It was that we had to do it in this and inc- you know, uh, we had to pinch every single byte out of our images, not just megabytes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hearing about this project that has to fit in 1 megabyte of memory is it, again, it just tickles my nostalgia. Like that's impressive. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome.
1: Um, So what's the story with IDE for games? Is that something you're talking about? Is that going to ship before play date?
0: Do you want to... I'm not sure about the timing yet, but do you want to explain in general how it works, Steve? Here, I'll lean this close to you.
3: Um, (laughs) The the SDK is uh, composed basically of a compiler and a device simulator that's pretty much like the iPhone simulator if you've ever developed for iOS um it's like a mini virtual playdate that runs on screen and you develop your game like i said before in either lua or c uh lua is a much more approachable scripting language anyone who's ever written a program before can probably pick it up in a couple of hours um versus C, which has better performance characteristics, but it's, you know, it's a higher learning curve if you're not already familiar with it. And actually, the the Lua runtime runs quite well for all but, like, the most demanding of games. And you can kind of intermix the two if you want. If you have a a mostly Lua game that uh, is having bad performance in one particular area, you can write a little C library to handle that one part so it runs faster, and call into that from your Lua code. Um... So, yeah, you, you basically run this compiler against your, uh, your Lua code, and it kind of bundles it all up for you. It does some, uh, some stuff with the resources. It compresses the images and wraps it all up into a, a little single bundle file that uh, then can be run in the simulator. And you can try it out and see how it goes. And um, from there, you can also transfer it onto a physical device if you have one attached uh, by the USB cable and see how it runs on the device.
2: And we have a plug-in for Coda 2 that makes this easier also. It will deploy um, to the device, et cetera. Mm-hmm.
1: This is the upcoming new version of Coda that you guys are working with? No, the existing with. one. Oh, the existing but, one. But okay. also
3: the new one. We can do it with the new one, too. Yeah. That, you're, a, that... A, forthcoming, uh, a forthcoming unnamed editor has a, right. yes, <laughs> a very good...
1: <laughs> the, the app you guys are working on in your spare, spare time. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> But that
1: is before we go. I know this is part of your announcement, but this it is coming. The next version, uh, as yet unnamed to the outside world, the successor to Coda, is still coming sometime in 2019. Is that? I think that's as much as you're willing to promise.
0: Yep, for sure. It's We're closing in on it. I think it'll be a developer release kind of situation because we know that there's going to be a lot of feedback. And we want to make sure to shape the product to meet the needs of uh, today's web developers. Have, but, yep, have you, that's coming soon.
1: Have you gotten any negative feedback from people who are not interested in Playdate but are interested <laughs> in transmit coda and and, oh for sure and and, yeah uh, it's
0: a classic running joke that's not really a joke that no matter what we ever announce ever Someone's mad that it's not another thing. And so it doesn't matter. This is the extreme version of that by far. And that's partially why the Panic! blog post specifically is, but don't worry, we're working on the next, you know, we always have to be one step ahead of that because it just happens every single time. Jake Rodkin at Campo still jokes every time I tweet, but what about Candy Bar Three? <laughs> <laughs> to this day,
3: uh, yeah. Except we actually make Candy Bar.
0: Oh, did we make Candy Bar <laughs> Three?
3: Okay, uh, Candy Bar Four. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's easy to have that perception from outside that you know they're a small company. They probably pulled all their engineering resources off of all their apps to put them to work on this right. stupid game idea. Right, right, right. Now right. everything's languishing, but right. it's that's not quite really the case. Um, I would say that the, the apps have all been under steady development the whole time. I this agree, has with been it. going on on the side. So, and we're actually better about that now than we've ever been. Yeah. Everything is we've
0: rolling. <laughs> I definitely remember when it took a little while for Transmit yeah. Five to come out. Somebody would be mm-hmm. like, "Well, maybe if you weren't making that sign for your building, oh, you yeah. could have made Transmit 5. <laughs> and I'm like, "I don't. We yeah. don't make signs. That's not. That was a different person." But I understand the sentiment, yeah. which is
3: just, "I want that thing that I want," which is totally fine. Yeah. And I'm guilty of it doing. Guilty of doing. Of it too. course. You know, I could look at Apple. Like well, of course, you're putting all your work on this watch or whatever. Yeah, you know, working on that. No, my, it's like a, you know what? How many thousands of people work at that company? They're not <laughs> all working. On yeah, that. my favorite the
1: are thing. the people who think that their foray into original TV content is just dis- <laughs> is detracting from like. <laughs> the macOS. Tim
0: Cook wasn't directing right. the premiere episode of the new <laughs> Jim Henson project or whatever. Yeah, like,
1: exactly. I, I totally get, and again, it'd be a t- whole episode unto itself. I get the idea that you could make a very strong argument that maybe Apple shouldn't be worried about original content, period. They should just make the TV platform and let other people fill it with their Netflix and Hulu and HBO. I get that. But I the idea that the people who Apple has hired to, to make these shows were like taken <laughs> off like you
3: know, the, the <laughs> They're I- probably not cocoa <laughs> engineers, yeah. God. But imagine if they
0: were. Imagine that's programming I want to see. Right,
3: uh, <sighs> she's Steven, like The gaffer you know? are the
1: <laughs> are the drawing APIs higher level like sprite kit or something like that, or is it more like direct drawing to like a screen buffer?
3: Um, it's it's kind of comparable to like QuickDraw. Um, so you get you drawing primitives. You know, you can you know circles, lines, rectangles. Uh, polygons and you can; those can be outlines or filled with uh, a pattern. Um, we and of course you can blit images onto the screen, and we do have a built-in library for uh, managing sprites. Uh, that's kind of you know it just provides the basics, and if you want something more complex than that, you can of course write your own. And we support some things like tile maps built in, and yeah, fonts.
1: Fonts. Oh, tell me about the fonts.
3: They're pretty basic. Um, Yeah, just imagine a very small uh, image containing all of the characters from your font, and then like a little sidecar text file that explains: here's the spacing of the letters in the image. (laughs) So, are
1: they all they're all bitmap fonts? You're not doing like rendering of TrueType on the fly or something like that. No, none of that. So it's like classic black and white display bitmap fonts.
3: Yep.
2: We do have things like kerning pairs, which is nice. That's a plus.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, All right, Eric, let me take one last break. I thank our third and final sponsor, and then we'll wrap up. I know you have taken up a lot of your time, and this is great, but I still have some more questions. Um, But our third sponsor, our old friends at Squarespace. Look, you need a website. Squarespace is where you go. They've got it all built in, and they've got something new. They've got a brand-new iOS app. So when you're on your desktop, you're on your Mac, you're on your Windows machine, whatever you're using, you go to Squarespace, you build your website right there in the browser in your Squarespace account. Um, what about when you're on on the go? If you want to make some changes, you're on your phone, you're on your iPad. Their new iPad app is amazing. It is a very, very good app. Really, really great and kind of makes up for the way that there's, you know, like with a mouse on a on a desktop in a browser, it's a lot more of a design capable experience than you are poking around with your big fat finger with an iOS app that is built for touch from the ground up. It's really, really great. Really something to check out. If you've looked at Squarespace anytime recently, but have been maybe, maybe you more of an iPad, uh, person for work and you were frustrated by that, check out their app in the app store. It is truly great. Uh, can't recommend it highly enough. And it's something new from Squarespace. They're moving forward. They're still doing great stuff. Um, uh, And again, just a quick reminder, everything you need to do for your website, from registering domain names to hosting a blog, hosting a podcast, updating it, creating a store where you take actual credit cards and sell stuff, you can do it all in Squarespace. It truly is an all-in-one platform for the web. You get a free trial by going to squarespace.com slash talkshow, and when you decide to sign up and pay, just remember that code. Go to squarespace.com slash talkshow and use that offer code talkshow at checkout and you get 10% off your first purchase up to a year. You could pay for a year in advance, save 10%. Uh, so my thanks to Squarespace for their continuing support of this podcast. Um, anything that I, is there anything about it that you guys haven't talked about that, that, that you, you know, like maybe I wouldn't think to ask
0: boy that we can talk about yet. Maybe not. What do you think? I mean, there's the
2: season of gaming we haven't really touched on. Yeah, there we go. That's,
1: that concept. When did when did you come up on that? That's a great – and a, truly a differentiator. I mean, that's, I've never heard of anything like that. So the basic idea for anybody who's not paying attention, you buy your play date for $149. I guess you get some kind of an account or something, you know, with mm-hmm. – Yeah. And then every Monday for 12 weeks, you get a new game. It just shows up and your, your little LED – light blinks to let you know that there's a happy little surprise there on the play date
2: i mean they came They came from the uh, game and watch days we were thinking about having the,
0: the device transform into a new game every week that's true but how did we then take it to season of games i feel like we were also subconsciously inspired by your uh match cut movie club <laughs> which uh, uh uh nevin and greg have an occasional uh party movie showing where you go to the movie but you have no idea what's going to be screened you can tell it better than I can they they give you a couple hints right that's
2: yeah but that's the story and we wanted it was really this didn't start as a season per se it started as surprises how do we surprise people with this thing over and over again as they're as they're using it and eventually we we couldn't figure out how to describe it but eventually we settled on a tv season being the right metaphor and so that's how we came to that point
1: uh, and you're, you know, it, it, let's not get ahead of ourselves, right? You still have to ship. And you know, <laughs> that's a lot. Yes, but, yeah, very true. But you've hinted, you know, like, what? what is the future? Like, let's just say, okay, it ships, and it works, and people are happy, and the games are actually delivered on Monday, right on schedule. Uh, you get to the end, and you've got all twelve games. I mean, number one, I know you guys were tinkering with the idea that, like, every Monday, the, the last game would be replaced by the new game. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. The device would completely become the new game, right. and so
1: that was it. <laughs> people are staying up all night on Sundays, right? <laughs> yeah, that would be it. a little intense. But you you backed away from that, so you know. And, and if you buy it, if if you get yours a month late, you, you'll already have like the first four games or something like that. Right.
2: it's an option I think um, we're still debating it, but it may be an option where you get to start your season late or you can start in pro- you know start it in progress
1: um. What about after that, though? I mean, obviously, there's the potential for this to be an indie platform. You're, you're already talking. I mean, you've said there's going to be an SDK, you know, and support in mm-hmm. Coda, so other people can start making games. What, what happens with those games? Like, will people just sideload them? Is, are you, are you going to make an we're, app store? This is
0: definitely something we're figuring out right now. Uh, we've talked about all sorts of options. Sideloading, we want to always be an option, but it's very possible that in the ultimate, Cosmic ironies we might find ourselves making an app store. <laughs> that's um, so great. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of questions about that, um, so I think we're going to really just take a look at how many people are interested, which so far is an overwhelming number of people, and what's the
3: best way to, for us to get the games on there. But that's later. Yeah, yeah. I mean, It'd... I think we'd love nothing more than to see like a thriving, you know, homebrew community mm-hmm. of, of developers who are able to put things
1: out there and you know get paid as well uh one of the great ironies to me of the modern world is that there's more adherence to for lack of a better term a human interface guidelines on like the major platforms like we, you were just talking about how on playstation the there's buttons for you know okay and cancel and they're different in japan and the u.s and they won't let you ship if you don't obey but there's all sorts of other conventions that that the console makers make game makers apply so that there's consistency through the game. So you guys have like the equivalent, like the, the play date? Do you have like a play date human oh, interface man. guidelines? Dear God, we're going to
2: have to write that, aren't we? Yeah, we, it's been floating <laughs> around as an idea of something we need to do, but we haven't quite gotten there yet.
1: You've got time. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about the website. Number one, the domain name. <laughs> Play.date. <laughs> When, yeah, when, d- when did you come up with the name Playdate, and when did you figure out that there is a .date top-level domain?
0: The name was very early on. It was one of the first things that, we, that really stuck with the project. And Playdate.com was, of course, unavailable. Uh, it's some sort of intense blog. And so, uh, gosh, I don't know. I must have just every now and then I would load up. Uniregistry, which is who we use for a lot of our domain name stuff, and just type the word playdate in again and see what kind of possibilities. We had playdate.systems at one point and all sorts of ideas, but play.date was always there, but was uh, pretty expensive. And then eventually we just bit the bullet and decided that that would be the best possible home for our website.
1: Uh, and it is a wonderful website. You guys are... I, I often criticize the modern web and and i've said it, it, there's a part of me that wishes that browsers had never even supported javascript but that i wish it was still just a document viewer for text and images and video and you know mul- you know just sure. put your multimedia up there and have no interactive element to it because it's all being abused right it's about so much of the javascript that your individual <laughs> devices are running is not for the stuff you want to see it's all this ad tech uh, but then i see something. I, I see something like the Playdate website and I think this is why they – this is why browser makers and the W3C spent so much time making something like this possible. Like this mm-hmm. this 3D model is <laughs> so great. I'm playing <laughs> with it right now. It's
0: – so a while ago – actually, it was for the Transmit 5 webpage when we were thinking, gosh, what can we do that's interesting? And I, it dawned on me that WebGL is just – sorely underutilized and we have an icon artist that knows how to do 3D and we and you know the transmit truck icon is a 3D model so it seemed like something we could take advantage of and so I think I literally googled like good WebGL people or whatever and found uh, these two guys in France that run a little consultant shop called Little Workshop and so they did the rotating transmit truck which was super exciting for us because It's going to be sharper and crisper than any rendered movie is ever going to be. Plus, we can do clever things. Like, as you scroll the Transmit 5 webpage, we very gently shift the perspective of the truck to match how far (laughs) you scrolled. Which, if we were rendering that, pre-rendering that, would be enormous. So, that tradition just continued with this. It just seemed like, man, if we're going to have this device on this page, we might as well make it a 3D model.
1: (laughs) It's so nice. It <laughs> Thank really, you. But it really gives you a sense of the device. It's both. It, 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 I'm sure it's a ton of work, and you know, it makes my old MacBook Pro cry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But it's a lot more fun on um, on uh, iPad because it's more mm. fun to use your actual fingers. And then the other thing you guys have is on the media page. You go to playdate slash Media. If you scroll down on an iPhone or an iPad, you've got links to AR Kit. Models.
0: That's correct. We, at the very last second, we realized we already have a 3D model, so maybe we can do, I think they technically call it AR kit Quick Look, um, which is the ability to view a model and see the model in AR in your own space on an iPhone or an iPad by just linking to the, to the model itself. It was It couldn't have been easier to do, so that's a pretty cool thing that Apple made.
1: Uh, it, again, is it useful? I, I don't know. I <laughs> yeah. mean, but, yeah. but I think it's a fun way to sort of get a sense of the size of the thing. You know, I tweeted mm-hmm. a picture of it next to my iPhone, and uh, it, lo- hey, it looks super realistic. And yeah, uh, that was impressive. T- totally fooled mm-hmm. some people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I, mean, I felt bad about. It. <laughs> uh, it's a good prank. Uh, but it's really great. Uh, do you guys ever have to go? Do you go to Malaysia to? to To actually oversee
2: yeah we do Um, for various reasons uh, to help set up all the QA that needs to be done is one of the big things we have a lot of test code that we've written and you kind of load the play date right into this little jig and plug in a USB cable, actually they have this cool kind of slide in adapter that goes in automatically and uh, we start running software on it and people start pushing buttons, the screen tells them what to do and they, they push the buttons and make sure it works right And that's taken a lot of time and effort, but um, it's been really, really interesting. And the the factory where we do it is really cool, and uh, the people have been great. And it's just a a fun environment. Mm
1: -hmm. How how do you find a factory? I mean, was that something that Teenage Engineering could help with? Like we know, you know, this this company in Malaysia is good. Uh,
2: Uh, We we found a manufacturing consultant through Teenage Engineering. He had done some work with them before, and so uh, he was the one that set us up with this uh, particular. Uh, contract manufacturer, and uh, yeah, we would, I can't imagine what we'd done if it just was us trying to cast by searching on Google. There's no way. Um, so this was a big help uh, in uh, getting the whole, we, we couldn't have uh, built this thing without him. His name is Steven mm-hmm. Uh
1: When you guys ship, I, I, I think, I mean, I, I'm sure, I mean, this is, you know, literally a, a million dollar question. Uh, how many of these things do you make so that you have enough to meet demand and how how do you guess demand? I mean, I know you know how many people have signed up for the email, but it's yeah, a lot easier to sign up for an email than it sure is. than to pay 150 bucks.
0: Well, I'm I'm pretty sure we know that hundred percent of the people that gave us their email will buy the product, right? right. That's how that works. Oh, sure. Yeah. So that's great news for us. <laughs> no, I it's gonna be really tough. And that's what we're gonna have to be facing soon, is that balancing act of uh yeah, pre order demand versus, you know, uh, email demand. It's going to be tough. Yeah. There's things
2: like part lead times that we have to factor in also Mm because some, some parts take take longer than other ones. So we have to buy ahead.
1: And then what do you got, you know, all right, it ships people, you know, they're going out in lovely boxes, which we've seen hints of the packaging in the magazine, uh, and people open them and they turn them on and it, it, it makes fun sounds and you play a game. Uh, what do you guys do at that point for like customer service? Like how much? How? how it, I mean, I know you already have good customer service for your apps, and that people who are using Transmit can email and, and get you know submit bugs or or get questions answered. But this seems like a totally different ballgame.
0: Yeah, it's going to be tough, and we're going to definitely have to, uh, you know, I mean, we're, we're going to have to handle returns, and we're going to have to handle repairs, although probably we'll just do returns. And uh, we probably need some more customer service people. It's going to be I – th- I feel like we can do it, but it's just another one of the long strings of things that uh, we've tackled for this project.
1: What, what is considered a good, like, hardware failure rate? Like Boy, do you know, Greg? Oh...
2: It's been told to me before, but I've forgotten it. Um, yeah, it's a really good question. Yeah, uh, We don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we have a consultant for. Hopefully yeah,
0: that's where the consultant comes in.
1: Hopefully a small number.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, tiny. 90 to 95%. Yeah.
1: yeah. All right. Well, I, I wrote, and I, I've taken some guff for it, but I, I, I mean it. I wrote, let me see if I, I don't want to misquote myself, but I wrote, the story is about Play Date, the most amazing and exciting product announcement For me, (laughs) since the original (laughs) iPhone. Uh,
0: That's very nice of you to say.
1: uh, The Verge cast crew had made some hay over that on their podcast recently, and Neelai seemed incredulous that I would compare it to the original (laughs) iPhone. But I feel like I I wrote that sentence very carefully. I'm not saying, and and it seemed to be misconstrued along the lines of how do you think this $150 black and white game playing thing is going to change the world like the iPhone did? And that's not what I, that's not it. Uh it's a couple of things but I I really mean it since I've written this is a week ago when I wrote it I still can't think of any other product that since the iPhone that gave me the feels like Playdate does <laughs> and the only one I can think of maybe is the iPad the original iPad was a very exciting mm-hmm. announcement but part of what made the iPhone seem so I I Specifically, remember, I think, Stephen tweeting about it. Like, that the, it was the mythical... Like, the day of the announcement. Like, the mythical shrunk-down version of Mac OS ten that we'd all been talking about for years. Like, mm-hmm. what if they shrunk Mac OS 10 down and you could run it on, a, like, a pocket-sized device? They did it. You know, it seemed, impo- seemed like something we always wanted them to do, but it wasn't possible. And everything about the iPhone seemed impossible. The frame rate seemed too... It, it just all seemed too good to be true. Um, the iPad, on the other hand seemed sort of inevitable once you saw it. It's like, yeah, it's just a big iPhone, right? There was nothing in it that wasn't <laughs> right. already there. I'm not saying it hasn't changed the world. I'm not saying it didn't take a lot of work to to make it scale up like that. But there was a certain inevitability to it. It didn't seem like it dropped out of nowhere. Whereas Playdate, seemingly to me, you guys, I mean, we're, we're pals, but you definitely didn't let me in on this until like a week before you announced it, which is fine. It, it was very exciting. I'm not complaining. But when you did tell me, it really seemed like this dropped out of... Uh, a black hole like Mm -hmm. i I cannot believe this and i honestly can't think of another device that's given me that feeling since the iphone in 2007
0: awesome that's really nice of you to say i hope we can deliver on that excitement
1: (laughs) but really the part of that sentence that people seem to be missing is (laughs) why
3: are you laughing steve (laughs) did that seem too soft (laughs) no no yeah yeah. as I, i read john i remember reading john's article where he said that about like the most you know Amazing product right. announcement for me since the years live. Right. I mean, even I was a little bit like, God, John, calm down. <laughs> 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 well, part of it
1: too. And and part of it too, part of the for me aspect of it is is that I know you guys. You know, you're you're my friends. And so I'm excited for you and I'm excited that I've got your ear. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. I, I could mm-hmm. I could maybe make suggestions and have the actual decision makers <laughs> listen to me. Uh it's very, very exciting. I, I really just can't say enough uh, how excited I am. And I really Thank think that so much. Like, the Daring Fireball audience gets it. I really I think do.
0: so, too. I um, think so, too. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to us.
1: I <laughs> Thank you guys for your time. I know you have a lot to do. It's busy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these apps Back don't write it. themselves. The games don't yeah. write themselves. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, my thanks to all of our sponsors, too. We had Squarespace. We had ExpressVPN. And Clear. The, uh, the thing that gets you through security at the airport faster. My thanks to Cable Sasser, Stephen Frank, and Greg Miletic. Thanks, uh, John. Thank, thank you Panic. so much. Talk to you soon. All right. I'll be standing by the door waiting for my, my plated turtle <laughs> to, to show up. We'll get back to work.